0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the kind of funny games cast episode seventy-two. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside two of the coolest video game dudes. You fucked it up. No, I didn't. Because we're the coolest dudes in video games. Nice. You're two of the coolest video game dudes. Oh, okay. Ah, Do you know? There's a method to the madness, Colin a Moriarty, Pride of Long Island. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How you are get you? Getting some text messages. You're yeah. blowing up. You're important. Yeah. Do you think it's about E3? There's a lot of E3 stuff happening. No, today. I don't want to... You know, I can't. Please over here. Hello. Founder of Giant Bomb, Jeff Gerstmann. Hi, Hi, how's it going? It's great, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for coming in to join us yes, today. Yeah. Thank you. It's, Tim, great, it's
1: great to be back in the castle.
0: Yeah, Anytime we invite you right here to the Kind of Funny Manor, or yeah. you pull back the head, you hit the button, this, we go down the slides, exactly. into the cave. Yeah. Uh, Tim Geddes, out right now editing all sorts of stuff for Kind of Funny Live of too, course. because yeah. he's the only one talented enough and ambitious enough to do this, mm-hmm. because Colin and I would run Kind of Funny Live, and it would just be us at this table in front of people Yep. surrounding us, no chairs. We and
2: it would, to do. And it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> no, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's it's the thing. It's like you know. At, at some point, you realize like, oh, the people that can actually do the video stuff, they're the ones that actually know what they're doing. And then at some point, you just go like, oh, we're just talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like we're actually
0: terrible. And even
1: that is just like, yeah, know, we're
0: stretching it by saying talent. No,
1: I mean like, I, I'm, there's like quotes around
2: talent sure, for sure. a reason. There's quotes yeah, around thing. the quotes around yeah. talent.
1: <laughs> what Tim? The one
0: message he gave me today though was to tell you mm-hmm. he'd really like to be on a podcast with you someday. Okay, because all he only I only ever call. You when Tim's not here that's why I, that's the only reason I come I know honestly. right you're not a yeah, fan you the no open. you if, don't like Tim's he, here I'm like eh, he's too young he's a, too a, good looking there's His like fashion
1: a, sense there's a smell I didn't want to bring it up but you know there's a
0: I'm, glad, I'm glad you know yeah. you waited four minutes into the podcast to bring it up you know you yeah, had yeah I wanted to as wait as until could. everyone
1: could see and hear sure. the disgust Ugh, this Tim Geddes fella I know right yeah yeah
0: well we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about video games great because if you didn't know ladies and gentlemen this is the Kind of Funny Games cast each and every week. Three, sometimes four, best friends gather on this this table, each bringing a topic of video game news and discussion for your amusement. If you like that, head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get each and every episode early along with a bunch of exclusive perks and goodies if you have the bucks to toss us. If you don't, head over to youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get each episode broken up topic by topic day by day until we post the entire thing as one big MP3 and video it's like you only know how to host one thing it's, it's like you it, immediately
2: it, jump on me Ah, oh, you fucked it i've
0: i i can not fuck it up if i'm doing it for the first time and i'm bending what people know i was just
2: gonna say it's very it's very eerily similar to this the, the ps i love you which is so similar to this other show that we used to do ps i love you
0: is very different because i get to talk about you know The the, we do it, oh, Uh oh, oh, I see. You're saying how, yes, okay, yeah, right. I'm ripping off today, I'm ripping off Game Over Greggy's show right now, and then I'm ripping off Beyond on PS. I Love You. Now we made
1: Beyond, so we can 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 rip off off
0: whatever the hell I want.
1: (laughs) this is this is literally your show, and your this is your platform to rip yourself off exactly. (laughs) That's (laughs) all it
2: is, yeah, totally, totally. Just like you rip off the quotes around talent as well, and the quotes around the quotes around talent. That's a new You'd one to right rip off, on though.
0: Enough. That's yeah. brand new. Thank you. Give me a handshake. Good. I'm glad we get to keep going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, here on the GamesCast, we often start with games we're playing. Okay. And talk about a little bit about get a that. Innovative, I like it. But I, yeah, I know, right? This podcast, yeah. cutting edge. No, Let me tell totally. you, we're doing things nobody else is doing with a microphone. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. What I want to talk to you about in what the I think the marquee title here mm-hmm. is Overwatch. Overwatch. Yeah. You have been playing Overwatch. Mm-hmm for days on end now, people have been tweeting about Overwatch. Yeah. People were foaming at the mouth to People were crazy game. about Overwatch. I don't get it. Why are people so crazy about Overwatch? Well, people really like but Team I... Fortress 2, right?
1: Yeah, from what I hear, they had hats? Yeah, no, they had hats. Like, this is a game where, like, it's just full skins instead of hats. Done. Yeah. And then it's pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you know, it, it is a class-based shooter like a Team Fortress 2, but with more classes to choose from. Uh, it's, it's, I really like its art style uh and they've found a way to make the classes very friendly to play they've given them abilities that are not unlike a moba you mm. have an ultimate uh, ability nerds yeah it's it's you know it's got that sort of stuff but it's TF2. It doesn't go. You know, it's not lanes. It's not Battleborn. You know. See, and
0: that was um, I think not our Caragon. Exactly. The problem, what Colin and I have been talking about, is people who have been on the outskirts, watching from afar. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this MOBA thing happening. Right. I've jumped nope. in and tried. It's I'm like, nightmare. nope it's a nightmare. Not what I want to nope, play. Not at all. So every one of these shooters that comes up, and it's like it's MOBA inspired or has MOBA tendencies. Yeah. I'm like, fuck this game. I didn't have. There's no reason I. So play this, this
1: doesn't have very much of that at all. Literally, yeah. it's just you know the the idea of having these abilities and stuff like that that are on. Cooldowns—that's kind of the MOBA thing. The rest sure. of it is TF2. It's escorting a payload somewhere. Uh, it's it's defending points. It's capturing points. But all the different you know character class stuff from a TF2. So you've got you know healer roles and assaults and tanks and you know like the the sort of stuff you expect to see uh, from a class-based game.
0: Other than it being you know. The next coming of tf2 like for you what makes it stand out because it's one of those i yeah. feel like we've had so many multiplayer shooters there's been so many good things right. there's borderlands there's this da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. and all of a sudden with yeah it was you know all right here is uh battleborn here is this one here is paragon it's like i don't know what the hell's happening anymore
1: yeah well i think everyone probably came to the same decision a couple of years ago where they're like man we have got to figure out a way to make moba money from the console kids yeah What are we gonna do? And then you know, Paragon was born, and then Hobby Grade Battleborn started its wheels turning or whatever. And uh, and so now all these bets are are starting to hit the marketplace. I think some of them pay off better than others. Uh, Whereas Overwatch is a little weird because you know apparently that started from Blizzard's MMO ambitions of of making this thing. So some of these assets just came out of some different game, and then they were like, "Uh, "That's not gonna work out. That's a that's a terrible idea. Why don't we pivot into making?" A TF2 style game with these characters, and they did. They actually, like, they nail it. Yeah. Uh, It's quite good for what it is. It's, it's, I hate Team Fortress 2. Wow. Okay. I, I don't like the characters. I don't enjoy playing it. Uh, I don't like class based shooters generally either, except for custom class type stuff, like a Call of Duty or something like that, where I can go, like, okay, I want to, this is the gun I want. Mm -hmm. But when it, when it's be like, okay, you need to play your class like a MOBA, like some of these other games, I just, I don't play games with other people I know often enough to get the most out of those types of games. Uh, so, generally speaking, I just, those games never work out for me. Overwatch right. is well made enough that I'm having more fun with it than I ever expected to have, but. This morning, I actually, like, woke up an hour early just going, like, I'm going to go play some Overwatch.
0: Damn. Which is weird. No, that's that's um, the sign, though, right? Yeah. That's always the thing for me when I can tell I'm really into a game yeah. when it is, like, oh, man, I have an hour. I'm totally going to totally. jump in and do just this little bit of thing.
1: But at the end of that hour, I started to see how it will unfold because I started to care. <laughs> uh, and, and I started to, like, I, I've been playing healers, which I don't play a lot of, but they've made healer classes actually fun to play. Okay. Uh, and someone needs to do it because no one else was doing it. No,
0: it's never been fun to be the healer. Uh, Sitting in when, the
1: back. But when I'm healing these people and then they're not getting the job done. They're not they're not hitting their shots, they're not they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. At some point if you start to care, you start to get mad. Mhm. And that was how I see myself no longer playing Overwatch in about a week or two.
0: And so that's my question: How many hours in right now would you say you are? Where that's starting to get that's starting to be the driving. Like four, okay. You know,
1: like I, I played a little bit as soon as the servers came up. Uh, played a little bit last night and then then put another hour in this morning. So right. you know, I have not played a ton of it, uh, but it first impression is really impressive. And like I said, I, I think they're they've made a better one of these kind of games, mm-hmm. a, a better Team Fortress 2, in, in my view. Sure. Uh, from from the limited time I've played it. Um, See,
0: it's the talk, of, that, that's what scares me about it, and that was what for, like, the division when I hit 30 was, like, the big thing for me of, like, oh right. I'm done with this. Because I saw, like, the fact that, okay, cool, and now we're to the point that if I want
1: to get the most out of this, I need a squad. Yeah. I
0: need people I roll with every night, and this is all we play. Exactly, yeah.
1: And, and and that's, that's never going to be me. Like, even Overwatch, like, right, right now, I, I'm kind of playing, like, two or three matches of it and then stopping. Yeah. And then maybe half an hour later, I'll be like, I'm gonna play a little bit more I'll launch it again and play one or two more but I'm not it's not the sort of game where I'm sitting down and like okay for a six hour stretch this is what I'm doing sure and you're not
0: alone I, was, I think I saw like Mike Drucker last night tweeting about it. I'm watching this and then I jumped over and played this and now it's or it was somebody else actually Drucker was talking about stopping to watch stop watching uh, Bachelorette or whatever to mm-hmm. go play Overwatch and somebody else was like alright that's enough Overwatch I'm gonna go play Fallout now exactly right. yeah
1: That that's it, it feels like a good short burst game for me um, and and maybe that'll help but also that makes it impossible for me to go like hey everybody let's get together at 8 o'clock and play this game because I'm just never gonna play be, for 15 minutes yeah, and I'm like, never yeah. gonna be that person sure Uh, so that's this is not the game for me, but I that said, I am actually enjoying it quite a bit.
0: What do you see from what, and what do you hear in terms of longevity, right? Because I right. I was blown yeah. away. Because when the betas were going, I saw people tweet about it mm-hmm. and they were really into it and it was from people I expected it. Like, you know, Boogie was up there talking about how great it was. And then over the weekend it really seemed like everybody was like that Dave Chappelle meme where they're just like oh y'all got any more than Overwatch totally. you know what I, mean? yeah. I was like, what like, the like going people on? went
1: weird for <laughs> Overwatch <laughs> in a way that I, I didn't expect but then like totally like the day before it came out I had this moment where I was like oh shit man I would actually really like to play some Overwatch um but yeah, do you I, think it'll burn out? Because I, mean, I think if you look at Blizzard's track record for like adding content to its games and all that sort of stuff, if you if you assume that they will take a similar approach with something like Overwatch, I think they'll probably hit a good cadence with it. Maybe not right out of the gate, you know, but uh, but I think they'll they'll probably be adding characters and 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 maps and, and that sort of stuff along the way.
0: And uh, so I played one match last night, mm-hmm. and it was totally like I got to see what everybody's raving about. Yeah, jumped in played it, and I was like, cool, it's a first-person shooter team game, I'm probably good. I also had a weird bug where my screen was in shadow mode, Great, where everything was really dark and I was running around, but my question I guess is, since you already have the heroes you already have is it just that i'm unlocking skins am i unlocking weapons yeah like what's, so what's every, the every time
1: every time your bar fills up you mm-hmm. gain xp to gain levels uh every time that bar fills up you get a loot box which has five items in it they could be sprays for you know spraying your logo on walls uh additional voice lines and taunts and then yeah there are skins for each character that also unlock gotcha uh and then they're selling those for basically two bucks a box mm-hmm. if you want to go that route Best value—you spend fifty dollars for, or forty dollars for fifty boxes or whatever whatever it is. Um, But then at that point, like you're basically destroying the whole progression which if you just like playing the game and want a certain skin and this is maybe the best way to get it I guess I could see someone going down that road but that seems crazy
0: I mean that to me that's what it speaks to with what you're saying right and the fact of like it's okay I'll play for 30 minutes two matches whatever it is but there it is it's it's. I can get yeah. in I get out yeah. and there is no oh I'm so close to the next level which would unlock for sure this gun which would give right. me on this path tree or da, 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 da.
1: yeah yeah the, the reason that I would you know back when it was maybe the, the the biggest thing in the world like I would sink that kind of time into a call of duty right uh for for a few years there uh, where it was like okay i'm gonna actually sit down and play this for six hours straight sure um but yeah i i think that that you know overwatch will have a, a pretty good sized audience for some time to come it seems like a pretty safe bet really uh and not just because it's blizzard i know they they seem to you know like blizzard has its fans they have their own convention you know yeah. uh so people go nuts for blizzard stuff no matter what but uh I think that there there is some quality to this game. There's, there's quite a lot uh, and a Blizzard level of quality even. So I, I I think they've done quite well, especially when you consider that this is probably some stuff that they thought they might never make their money back on because it was some MMO they were trying to make for years right. and years and years. The idea that they pivoted and turned it into this thing is kind of nuts.
0: It's too bad that Overwatch is being drowned out by Battleborn. It's so all you hear is people talking about that Battleborn.
1: Oh, just nonstop. The numbers yeah. are huge.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> it's doing it's doing yeah. what a. I mean, it's
1: it's on one hand, I I feel for those guys for mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. shipping into this window where yeah, I mean, you have Epic with a more traditional shooter MOBA with Paragon, and then right. you know Overwatch kind of taking its it's a lot of its shine too, but. Also, I I don't know how much you guys have played, but I just think Battleborn's a bad game, Uh, regardless of when it shipped. uh, Like, that game doesn't feel good. Uh, It doesn't look great. The situational awareness is really low. Like, just kind of across the board, I think that game's got real problems. It was the
0: same thing for me with Overwatch, where it was coming up. We had talked about it. Who knows what's going to happen? It's probably going to be a disaster, but, like... You looked at video for it, and I was like, oh, it kind of looks like Borderlands. That's neat enough. And then yeah. it came out, and I was like, well, there's, I'm not this guy. There's a million other games I want to play right now. Right,
1: yeah. I think, that you know, ideally, they look at that game. They learn some lessons about encounter design and stuff that they then filter into Borderlands 3. Yeah. Because if you think about how, like, the multiplayer loot shooter has changed since Borderlands 1, like, Borderlands 3 kind of has to be Destiny or... Uh, the division levels sure. of of multiplayer, you know, stuff uh, to compete at this point. So
2: yeah, that was the thing about. I mean, I called. I mean, it, it, it wasn't even a. It wasn't even a call because it was so obvious that Battleborne was going to crash and burn. I mean, that was that was so fucking obvious. Just no the, uh, seen that cared. game like a year ago yeah, or something. Yeah. Like the
1: first time I saw it, it was just like, okay, this demo seems. Kind of bad, but maybe there's more to it than this. And then every time they showed it, it was like,
2: hmm. And it's not mm-hmm. like, they're, to your point, it's not like there's a dearth of, of game, similar like minded games. Because um, that, that was the thing we were talking about was like, well, to me, like Overwatch, not knowing much about it, I'm not a, I mean, I'm very much like a, a console guy. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was like, this seems like a game with MOBA tendencies. This is obviously going to eat Battleborn's lunch, and then there's Paragon on the other side. But then there's like Destiny and the Division, which are not MOBAs but are like persistent shooters where people are playing these games. And what it came down to was like, it's not so much the genre, but like how much time can a person possibly invest in these games? These games that require you to play them for months or maybe even years yeah. at a time if you really want to get the most out of them. And so Battleborn was obviously going to be the odd man out because Paragon had the backing of a first party, uh, obviously Overwatch. Um, which I was surprised by the way that Sony got behind Paragon so much but they did. Uh Overwatch uh, obviously is a huge Blizzard game and then you have these games from Ubisoft um and Activision that are obviously going to get a huge push. And yeah. So like there's I kind of I feel bad for them too, but this was a bet made by a studio that has way too much money probably and knew that they could have a failure and I don't know if they're stupid enough to real like you know, they're clearly not stupid at all actually over there. They knew that this game probably was not going to fly. I'm surprised that Two K really wanted to get involved with them on this because like, like post
1: s- evolve, especially so, like two
2: yeah. K, you know, this is obviously a different developer,
1: all that other mm. stuff, but like two K seems to want to make some esports money. And now they're trying to turn NBA Two K into like an esports. We figure
0: it's like you were talking about Road right now, right? The tracks get laid so early, and by yeah. the time you realize you're bailing off the cliff, like what do you do? Yeah, you can't it's do like anything. You're
1: throwing good money after bad at that point. You just like hope that you can maybe make it back. But right. yeah, it's uh, it,
2: yeah, it's the it's it's the point you made, which I think is an astute point that these bets are made years ahead of time. You saw this payoff with like Ubisoft style checkbox games. You saw this with open yeah. world games. Um, and you're still seeing the kind of the, the remnants of that and what I think what the developers had to have been smart enough and the publishers specifically maybe two years ago is to be like we're too late on this bet we need to fi- we need to figure out like what the next bet is it's the same thing that happened with the race to the bottom on a mobile almost it's like yeah. what is the next thing I, we have our open world games now we have our MOBAs on console now we have all these persistent shooters and all these kinds of things like what is the next You know, is it a massive, almost I feel like maybe the next thing that people wanted to get involved with 18 months ago at the Embryonic State is something like a a very ambitious Witcher 3 style open world game or whatever, where, you know, where it's very quest based and very huge and very lore driven, because I feel like there's just too many of these games.
1: You're right. But at the same time, like the Witcher is not going to sell hats forever, you know, (laughs) whereas like if they can, you know, if you look at what League of Legends does or or even Dota, you know, like money wise, like You get that gleam in your eye, right? If you're the game developer, if you're if you're kind of like money focused a little bit, uh, where you're going to go like, okay, no one has cracked this nut on consoles. Like League of Legends can't work on a PlayStation; it's just too specific, you know. Like like Smite had some success, Uh, you know. Other MOBAs have kind of come along, and but not done it to that level. So I think you have a lot of developers that still think that that money's out there, and I wouldn't be. I'm sure we have not seen the last attempt at like trying to capture the console audience with a with something that is MOBA-like. Yeah. It's just too popular. Too many people are watching League of Legends streams that probably don't want to play League of Legends for them to not at least try. Mm. And yeah, I think it's a huge mistake. I just don't think that they're going to be able to crack that nut the same way that, that no. League has. No, I do um, I, I
2: do think that you know there's a point to be made that I think a gamer is a gamer, and I think there's a genre-specific things that we all like to try to do or the platforms yeah. we like to play on, but I do think the console gamer is a specific beast. And you can try to break them and there are examples. I mean, even the fact that we're playing shooters in a very competitive kind of way shows that the PC has bled in the PC kind of ecosystem has bled into consoles, and that happened yeah. a long time ago. But um, to me it's like, yeah, like there needs to be a different tact or whatever. I really feel like there need there's more I feel like examples from Techland with Dying Light or CD Project with Witcher 3 or these other studios is mm-hmm. like put a, dump a lot of money into something that's actually like console centric and Maybe single player with some multiplayer functionality or whatever and this is kind of more what we do on console and that's where you can make your money um and then you can sell DLC or something like that afterwards and you don't necessarily have to have these microtransactions. I or think those
0: messages are getting driven home though, right? And the fact that like what we're talking about right now, people trying to force this in this, you know, around into a square hole or whatever, right? right? Like they know, and it's the same way when you look back, and it was that hey, here's Tomb Raider with its multiplayer suite, and everybody's like, fuck you. And like reviews were like, the game's great, except that. Yeah. Here's the doc and the score. And like right. they put out Rise of and they're like, all right, nothing. No, no, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. Like we've, we've seen We learned the, the lesson. The rubber band snaps back eventually, but everybody gets so gung ho on yeah. where to put a
1: multiplayer. Player into everything. Same thing with Bioshock
2: yeah. Two. It was like, what the right. hell is there even a multiplayer? Right. Yeah. yeah,
1: but you know, at some point, that just becomes like almost an opportunity cost question of like, you know, are you going to invest in this single-player, very long, high-budget kind of bespoke content campaign? That people are going to play through once and kind of move on from get your $60, hopefully, yeah, uh, or 40, you know, when it hits everything gets on sale. <laughs> or are you going to try to make something that has this like repeatable revenue that you can then like, okay, well, also, we what if we made a mobile version of it? What if we did this? Like, there are too many other revenue streams out there, like, everyone wants to tap into that, and they're only you only have those studios that are really bucking the tr- I mean, even Uncharted as multiplayer now at this point, you know, right? But like, the Witcher is an anomaly, you know, and and it's a beautiful one at that. And, and those are risks that they can afford to take because they're this crazy independent studio that's out there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what their books look like. I'm sure they look great now. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, before that, you know, it, you know, you had like companies like EA years ago saying like, oh, we think single players dead and all the, yeah. that other stuff. And And no, obviously not. But the idea of just a straight-up single-player game that they're not going to try to just, like, monetize the hell out of you after the fact on, like, some kind of, like, well, here's a leaderboard-focused, repeatable single-player mode, with VR missions like Metal Gear, but, you know, like, everyone's going to... Batman gonna, Challenge, Yeah, or Mass Effect stuff. got multiplayer right, at some right, point. You're yeah, like, yeah. why? Like, who wants that? Like, apparently yeah. people do. They actually sold, like, quite a few of those weird blind boxes. And that's so. the weird
0: thing when you get into what we you talk about with the mobile market all the time, those white whales. The yeah. people who totally. are the ones yeah. who it's
1: like, sure, like,
0: I don't care if... If five percent of the audience comes over and really gets hooked on this multiplayer and they're putting money in day after day, year after year, right. that's a different story. I and mean, we're
1: at a point where, yeah, like you know, Uncharted Four has you know like dances and all yeah. this other yeah. like blind box crap in it right. that I think it. I think it's a bad look for those types of games. It, it makes I them agree. look a little desperate in a way.
2: I agree. I think I think a lot of it was. It reminds me, you know, being kind of more Sony centric. I guess it reminds me of like when they tried to do the online passes and then they removed them. And oh then yeah, the, yeah. And obviously the intent with Uncharted is multiplayer. Even though I think that people think that that's a step above a lot of the tacked on multiplayer is the way to make you not sell. The game back or whatever. There's definitely very transparent reasons that they're doing it. Yeah. I just hope that developers and publishers have taken a look at some of the great examples that seem to have bucked the publisher or monetary trends going on. And Machine Games is a great example to me mm-hmm. with Wolfenstein, which I think is a fucking immaculate game, especially the DLC. With the exception of, of course, we talked many times the intro, which is yeah, awful. Yeah. Um, of Wolfenstein, <laughs> the beginning of Wolfenstein, yeah, like, which like, is oh, fucking God. terrible. Uh, but that game is awesome, and they were like. Fuck all of this. We don't need multiplayer like any other Wolfenstein games that were very tacked on. We need just a great. It's like a 15 hour campaign in a first person shooter. Right. It's just yeah. you don't see that very often. No. And, and so, yeah. but that game did well, and I'm sure they're making a sequel. And the 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 thing I hope is that they're you know these aren't common, but I think they're common because we're so risk averse. And so I hope that everyone's kind of looking at these things and being like, we don't need to maybe rewrite the way we play on console specifically when there's people out there that are probably by the several millions buying this machine games fucking Wolfenstein game knowing that there's only 15 hours of content in it right and they're going to get a nice meaty DLC pack for actually half the price or so of the of the game itself Um, so but they're willing to pay for that and and so I hope that yeah I hope that there's a problem it's what we always talk about with gone home what we talk about with even something if you like Firewatch or something where everyone's like these games are too expensive at twenty dollars when you're only getting an hour and a half or two hours out of them. Right. Like, you can't. We can't look at games like that. You anymore. Can.
1: yeah? It's it's definitely not. Uh, that's 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 pretty dated at this point, you know. And and the quality of the experience matters a lot. I think that's you know like Wolfenstein's a great example. I think Doom is another one. Like it has multiplayer. It would actually be better without it because uh, the Doom campaign is similarly amazing. Uh, and the multiplayer is like a thing they made, and you look at it and go like, well, I guess that functions. Yeah, it works <laughs> oh, cool. as, it, it works as a, intended. It turned into a demon. Like you you kind of are doing like this Halo-ish thing that has nothing to do with Doom, whereas the campaign is this like transcendent great twist on original Doom. And, uh, yeah, you were one of the big... Uh, we talked about Doom last week on the yeah. thing,
0: but we were all super early in it, and I kept bringing up the fact that like, you were the one over the weekend where I was like, you were tweeting like, this campaign gets better the longer you play yeah that's fascinating
1: Uh, yeah I I got back for I was in LA for a few days last week and basically like literally got back and sat down and finished doom I was like an hour and a half hour and a half away from the end of it and I was like I need to get this done yeah Uh, and it was a similar feeling to something like Wolfenstein where you're like man they just they don't make games like this anymore and it's it's amazing that they were able to get it
2: done yeah props to Bethesda by the way for for putting their money where their mouth is with these kinds of games and I think they're probably you know Pete Hines and all those guys are probably like well like we have this market cornered for now until everyone gets smart. It's yeah. really, it's really so that great. Rubber that band right back. to Occasionally, it. they do put out a game that performs well. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, buzzing.
1: Uh, it's great when they do.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Fallout man, that's what I've been playing. And it's weird because I feel like I'm forcing myself to play it at yeah. this point. Cause I jumped in and it was I, I've been in this thing where I have to be in the mood to play a game. Mm. You know what I mean? Like i to, like Ratchet and Clank the other day where I woke up one day and I was like, I'm in the mood for Ratchet and Clank. And yeah. I played it and I was like, awesome, this is great. I'm glad I put it off. And then Fallout came out and I had been in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna get back from this Baltimore trip and I'm gonna sit down on Saturday and just play Fallout. And got there, installed it all, started playing, it and I'm just like so you went to Bethesda, came back
1: and played a Bethesda game. <laughs> That's what got Bethesda. you in the mood to yeah, play yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, right. oh, no, no.
0: It was just the fact that I was ready. It was finally here, and I'd been. I I enjoyed Fallout Four, and I was like ready for it. More of it, mm. and then I jumped in, and it was totally the thing of like. Wait, where what did I leave doing? off? And what like, was my save? The, and yeah. Where's yeah. my power armor? I was walking around last night, like, what? The, oh, the right. Fuck yeah, is you leave it? that
1: thing behind. You're like, yeah. I think it's on the map somewhere. And I, exactly.
0: And yeah. like, I'm fucking in Far Harbor and it shows my little thing. Like, oh, your power armor's back. I'm like, oh, great. I went back nowhere on the map. Awesome. And like, it was easy enough, luckily, to go find it because I just fucking dropped it at Sanctuary where I dropped everything. Right.
1: Yeah. I ended up barely using the power armor playing that yep. game. Like, I needed it. There's one spot where I needed it. Yep. Uh, and then aside from that, As I was like, I you know, yeah. And it was just like, fine. I'm just going to, I don't need that stuff it just it drains resources that i might want to save for later
0: yeah and that I'm hoarding stuff that in that no yeah. that's just fallout right of hoarding right. everything and that was yeah. the thing of like i i'd been hoarding it forever and jumped out into far harbor and i'm playing and it's like oh guess what the whole fucking island's got fog all over it and it's irradiated and you're gonna get rads everywhere oh, okay. and i was like yeah. i'm just gonna keep right. going and i finally like i started burning through everything i'm like fuck let's go get the power armor i'm like running around trying to get it and I, i'm in it and now yeah i have like 37 power cores yeah, right that I never yeah used. i'm just stop
1: around forever Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah exactly yeah but yeah i it, it it doesn't perform well like you know i'm playing on ps4 of course right. that's yeah, that's where i've, I've still only had now it's two instances where it was like whoa hey this frame rate's garbage all of a sudden uh, yeah
1: i had a few spots uh a good there was a good late game thing on the blimp uh where everyone went crazy and tried to kill me and so there's like <laughs> i don't know like 20 got yeah basically it's like two frames a second at that yeah. point you're like how did this like at what point does the platform holder need to step in and go, dude, no.
2: Yeah. 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 They certainly didn't with Skyrim either. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, They played
0: the first 10 hours. Like, it is unbelievable how these
2: like, I do want to like kind of meditate on that point more often or more in the future about like, we really have gotten jumped the shark with giving Bethesda a pass on the, on, on their, like it's a Bethesda game, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, I think that a lot of people have identified this long ago. And I think even I've been a guilty, guilty culprit with this while I'm like, well, they're so ambitious and then you see a yeah. game like Witcher 3 <laughs> and you like, what the fuck's your excuse right. now? I mean, <laughs> and it's not like they're broke. I mean,
1: you know, like they're, they're not the largest publisher, you know, they're not the largest studio in the world or anything like that. That team is, you know, is still somewhat reasonably sized as I understand it, but why? Yeah. Uh, at some point, like with the amount of money they made, you know, the amount of, le- you know, like Skyrim had legs for years and years and years and, you know, that's probably still selling decently for them at whatever price they have it on the PC. Um, you know, so why not, reinvests a little more of that back into making sure that that thing runs well or you know maybe it's just one of those things where like just we literally don't understand enough about the process there's actually no way to solve that problem yeah, yeah. except for yeah, to yeah. just build it from the from you know or scale it so far back that, that it's not you know, that it's, anymore, not, yeah. it's right. not one of those games anymore right. Which yeah. I would actually be okay with
2: I would too just because I always felt like that specifically was always an excuse for I mean in the 3d games was always an excuse for um, just bad shooting mechanics I mean the game's kind of somewhere between like a you know a shooter and more of something like Morrowind or whatever where you're running around hacking shit or whatever but it doesn't sure. feel, it doesn't feel right um so I, I mean because I only played Fallout 4 for 25 hours when it came out or whatever which mm-hmm. only
1: and, right. I was, yeah, and I was yeah.
2: and I was oh, and yeah but like to me like and this is kind of reminiscent of what I'm playing right now is that I've been really trying to be and the audience knows I think but I've been really trying to be beholden since we left IGN to just not play games because I feel like I have to so yeah. like isn't it beautiful what, doesn't it feel good it, yeah it does so I'm like oh, I, 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 I used to be like I gotta play this so I could talk about this and I got to experience this and I've just been moving on and on and on so uh, when uh, ho- thanks, Kevin. When Homefront and uh, when Homefront and Doom came out, I was really excited about Homefront. Obviously, bad signs abound for that game. Yeah, uh, I played it's- it and I and I just kind of stuck with it for a while. And I'm like, this game fucking sucks. Then then I went yeah. on to you know I, I played Doom a little bit, but I'm like, I just want to play something. Like mm-hmm. I just want to play something. Well, what did I do? I I, I don't want to rehash it too much because we talked about it on PS. I love you. I was like, I'm gonna go down and miss Pac Man, Galaga, and Brick Breaker on PS4 and just play those. And that's all I did this week. I was like, I'm gonna play fucking Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, and I was just feeling it. Yeah. So what a great game. I mean, I've always loved that game. But what a great game. But what I'm playing right now is Downwell. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Came to Vita. Um, and we only acknowledge games when they come to Vita. Of course. Um, yeah. Never heard
0: of it until it comes to Vita. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, and uh, I didn't realize you can actually hold your Vita sideways, like in sunflowers or yeah. like that. Way. So I've been playing it uh, normal. I just read that on Devolver's tweet today I think actually um, and a, I does a cool way to play that game yeah, yeah. and, and I, I'm feeling it I think it's a I think it's a cool game I don't think it's for everyone I don't think it's a game Greg's gonna like although I'm interested to see what you think of it? Yeah, it's just an interesting, straightforward idea that really revolves around gameplay. And I think we're losing a lot. We're lo- like, I love narrative, I love characters, I love setting and environmental storytelling. But man, are you losing sight of gameplay a lot? And I think that these games, yeah. similar to Miss Pac Man or Galaga and his other shit, I was playing, it's just all about. There's no excuses. It's all about the way the game plays And I think it's a really, see, really. See, that, that's my yeah. problem
0: with playing Fallout right now and coming to it. After platinuming Uncharted, after doing a whole bunch of Ratchet, these like polished experiences where it all soars, I'm jumping into Fallout. And yeah, it is this whole thing of like when I played Fallout originally, it was very much this is my character. I know what I would make these choices. Right. I'm not yeah, going yeah. to bilk you for money. Da, da, da. And yeah. now it's like, well, it's the last DLC and there's no morality and none of it really matters. So I'm right. like, yeah, give me all your money. And I'm just like playing it because I don't care. And so it's just the gameplay mechanics. That's, like, the, eh. the
1: Bethesda DLC has always done that to me as well. Where yeah. it's like, you, you're coming back to it so long after the fact that any sense of like, like cohesive storytelling yeah. or anything with your Who character, you just like, whatever. I'm just yeah. playing through this like one-off content that has no bearing on anything else. Yeah, that that is a... <laughs> That that is a that is a really good point. But yeah, Downwell is a great example. I mean, you know, of of th- like this rise of indie gaming we've seen over the last 5 years or whatever you want to call it, you know, it, it's like there's a marketplace for games like that again, you know, like maybe back. well, what would, what would you call like Geometry Wars was maybe like the, the original yeah, Xbox like, Live arcade of that, yeah, yeah. you know um has has kind of given those games a place uh again and that's been really great the idea that like and then that's where the value conversation gets weird again because you know it's like you start to compare like oh how many hours of this and all this other stuff like uh yeah downwell's just a, a great feeling game uh i started playing it on ios because that's where it came out originally i think was a, that's where it was before. beta tested for vita right yeah then they beta <laughs> tested further on the pc mm. yep <laughs> uh, and then yes <laughs> then in, in its final form it has now appeared on the vita <laughs> Um and and yeah that's just a a a great tight little game
2: and correct me if I'm wrong and I could be wrong about this but it, it's a Japanese game right yeah yeah which is interesting because you just don't I mean I'm I feel like I'm pretty connected to the Japanese industry being a Sony nerd or whatever but I just don't feel like we see many indie games Star- I don't know that games. I'd
1: say that Sony is pretty well connected to the Japanese no. game no. industry these days but no. sure yeah
2: <laughs> I mean like to, to me it's 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 you just see a lot of indies coming out of Western Europe you see right. a lot of indies coming Definitely. out of Middle America you see but I I was like. When I went, I went to the guy's Twitter account and I noticed it was in Japanese and I was like, huh, I mean, I, I just I, I'm sure it's there. I'm just like, I can't recall like a really bite sized hell game I played recently that it was from Japan. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, you know, we're getting a lot of these C tier garbage JRPGs and mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff. We're getting some cool stuff like Neo and stuff. But by and large, I was like, this is actually the most interesting component of this game is that it's not Western. Which yeah, cool.
1: and that's been you know stuff like Bit Summit uh, that they've been running out there, just trying to find a good home or a good platform pe- for people to promote their indie games in Japan. I think the Eight Four guys have, have kind of helped yeah. out with some of that stuff. Like even like going backwards into that market, I think they worked on like Shovel Night for the Japanese market, which is a really crazy concept to me for for some reason. But uh, yeah, just just like there's more of a place for individuals or or small teams making games now. And I think that's been great. It's been the nice thing about the PC uh, is that that stuff is con- coming out constantly. It's, it's the nice thing and the actual the worst thing. You can't turn the faucet off? How no. Do you, how do you separate the wheat from they the They went chef. to the valve and turned Steam this way <laughs> too far, and now every time you load up the front page of Steam, there's nine more things that are like ports from android and stuff that's like here's this dollar 49 game that is absolute garbage that we're hoping some youtube guy will catch on and stream yeah, it yeah. and yeah it's just, it's real weird out there now
0: yeah. that's what we've been playing what have you been playing let us know in the comments below but also know that this segment was brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get four to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure you head to lootcrate.com slash KFGames and enter the code KF Games to save $3 on a new subscription. This week, I shouldn't say this one, June's Theme. We'll be exploring some of the ways things can go wrong with Dystopia. Nice, my favorite. Featuring classics, RoboCop, <laughs> Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and The Matrix, and new faves, Bioshock Infinite and Fallout 4, we've got a figure, cool collectibles, and, of course, our dystoporific monthly oh, tee. never
2: mind, I'm not excited anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9pm Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate, and when the cutoff happens, Jack, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash Games, enter the code kfgames, and you save $3 on your new subscription today. Second topic, ladies and gentlemen, of the Kind of Funny Games cast. The ever-changing face of E3. Yeah, right. As of recording this today, they announced, and I read it on GiantBomb.com. Oh, I've a, heard of that place. He, yeah. uh, this Austin Walker fella, yes, writing up news and stuff over uh-huh. there. They announced that on top of this already being a weird E3 with no EA, no Activision, uh, no Disney, that they're now doing this public one right next door at LA Live. There's this public thing where you can right. go, where kids can go. They already sold out of tickets on the first two days or yep, whatever. Really. It was free. Yeah.
1: It was free. You just had to go. Oh, sorry, GiantBomb. Oh, it's free. Oh, okay. But they are they're full up. They were doing it was, it's sessions, so they were doing. Two sessions a day, Uh, so like it was uh, noon to 5 and 5 to 10 p.m. when you went to go sign up for it. By the time I looked at it, like an hour after they announced it, almost all of them were already all booked up.
0: Now, what's interesting in Austin's article on Giant Bomb, he puts out that, that said, the list of uh, attending companies is a bit of a weird mix that definitely skews toward general games culture more than development. Uh, So far, on board for this public E3 thing is Alienware, Facebook Oculus, Frito-Lay, HTC Vive, Loot Crate, I know them, Monster, Twitch, Ubisoft, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. He needs an and in there to finish that sentence, oh, okay. by the way. All right, I yeah, I I'll, know, I'll you can call him me. about that later. I'll, I'll put it in. Uh, yeah. what, the hell, what the hell's going on with the C3 this year?
1: Well, I mean, EA pulled out and wanted to do its own thing, and, and they're letting the public into that. They're, all, they're even doing a simultaneous event in London at the same time. That's what simultaneous means. Yes. Um, and so... <laughs> You know, E3 kind of had to look at that and go like, okay, well, if they want more public interaction, then maybe we can give them that. Do you think it's too late? uh, This year, yeah, definitely. But I mean, for
0: going forward, do you think? Oh,
1: I think that there's room for that. I think that with – I hope that that's not their complete list of exhibitors. Yeah. uh, But also, I don't know who else would – would get on board I interesting suspect.
0: you didn't see the first parties there right where was sony yeah where was exactly uh,
1: like it, it, you have to imagine that like this thing probably got announced as late as it has because they were probably trying to rope more companies into it and this is the list they had at the deadline that they probably needed to announce yeah uh where i mean you know ubisoft warner like you know they they will have games at e3 sure uh, so that that'll be cool what if lego dimensions um yeah they'll probably have new stuff for that oh, right I hope and that's,
0: so, jeff oh god i hope so
1: I bet Disney would have been done really well at something like that, but you know, Disney wasn't going to have a booth at E3 either you right. know, before all this infinity stuff yeah. got, got yanked. So, uh, so they probably, the ESA probably had to look at things and go like, okay, well, if the show is not meeting the needs of our constituents, what can we do to the show to try to make it more appealing to them? Uh, that's my guess as to how this went. And then you, you know, you bring in a company like Frito Lay to sponsor the whole thing or whatever. You get some bands, you do some stuff, uh, and, and there you have it. Uh, I don't know how it'll go. I'm, I'm interested to see it. But like, you know, E3 is not as big of a deal anymore for a lot of reasons, for the, some of the same reasons that the like traditional video game press is not as relevant as it used to be, because everyone is cutting those types of things out of the loop. You know, you have a company like EA just speaking directly to its mm-hmm. audience or speaking to them through like influencers sure. or something. Um, and as a result, like, the idea of, like, hey, let's let's go spend a ton of money on this E3 booth, build this huge thing that'll hold all these people, and then the only people we're gonna let in are, like, what's left of the video game press, and then, like, managers for video game stores, and whoever else could scam a ticket to E3. <laughs> Every blogger. Right. <laughs> I got a yeah, blog. Yeah, So it, it, So, at some point, it's like, well, why do that when you could just spend that same amount of money or maybe a little bit more. They need to get a building and all that other stuff and just put on a public event. Like, mm-hmm. it makes sense mm-hmm. for a company like EA with a lineup the size that they have to do something like that. Well, I mean, it's, you know,
0: in this, obviously, we hosted it, but I think the Final Fantasy event was a good thing too, right? Of like, yeah, sure, we could go and have the Square press conference during E3, right? but... Are we? We don't get the headlines. We don't get the space. Whereas when they did it on their own, right? It was for that day in our echo chamber, all anyone talked about. the same thing with PSX, where you get to right. own a
1: news cycle to yourself. So why not get out in front of totally? I mean, yeah, yeah. PSX. I mean, you know, they they kind of have their smaller announcements at PSX, and and do sure. still have their big stuff at E3. But I, I don't think it's going to need to be that way forever, right? You know, Sony's establishing its own presence. Microsoft will probably eventually want to do something similar.
2: Yeah, I assume that Xbox will will do their own thing as well. I think this is smart. I think this is is emblematic, I think, of a larger issue, which is there are too many shows, and these publishers and developers are spread way too thin, and you have to start really identifying the ones that matter the most, and I think that I mean, when we were at IGN, I was saying for a long time that because of the public nature of Gamescom, that Gamescom is going to be and I think already has become more important than E3 in many ways because of how big it is. So it gets the headlines of, well, we have our little press conferences, and all these things, but the right. people that are really like... The smaller YouTubers or bloggers, and obviously the websites go, and then people, hundreds of thousands of people getting their hands on these games then kind of start to chatter, especially with VR, right. which I think is really important. Yeah. So I think E3 is dying, and I think that I think that it's not going to go away. I think it's just going to have to evolve or change, because in the age of PAX, um, in the age of even something smaller like RTX, in the age of um, something like Paris Games Week or Gamescom, you have to start to pick and choose, and you saw Sony having to do that as well. Like, Sony was just straight up like, we're not going to Gamescom, and everyone's right. like, what the hell are you talking about? But they don't. Ha, there's just not enough content to justify being in every one of these shows, right. and so I think that um, you know, E3 is. Oh. Sorry, oh, I like that bitch. E3 is a little bit of a nightmare scenario, and uh, they're in a they're in a bad they're in a bad place because you're right. With the waning influence of, of traditional press, means that E3 just isn't going to be as important anymore. And we were even talking. I mean, we're going to go to E3, but we were talking for a long time of about do we even have to go? And that would have been unusual a few years ago and unheard of, even when we were at IGN, right? Um, and we were talking about like we don't really need to go like but we want to kind of see some of these games so we're going to but with the press conferences being the most important thing we could just stream them. Exactly. And, and so we, we, Which all, we are right here. Twitch. We were all TV in games kind of media a, games. a long time ago I, and we know that like Bomb does it too. Yeah. The the, gatekeep, the gatekeepers were it was important to have the gatekeepers that were like, I'm at the demo and here's what I'm seeing. And this is, but now you have streaming and now you have YouTubers and influencers. And now you have just word of mouth and you believe the commenter in the comments more than you believe the person that's writing the actual article on on sure. site X, right? The whole landscape's changed. And I think that E3 is, is really emblematic of, of that shift. And I think that the seismic nature of it means that something like E3 suffers the most because they have the most to change to be remain relevant.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, like to me, it's kind of crazy that, uh, the, first parties haven't just said you know what we're going to just actually just launch our own like constant video programming on our consoles themselves you know obviously like you know like Larry does the major Nelson stuff for sure. Xbox like you know Sony has its blog but that stuff doesn't necessarily filter onto the console itself
0: you're talking about another core you want to bring core back and I'm all about Hell it brother yeah Spell no, it like you like just <laughs> like
1: right there on this da- you know boot up this thing and yeah, say yeah. hey here's what's coming out this week like here's your actual you know news obviously it's coming from the company itself so yeah, it's yeah. Not news everything's but, great yeah it's <laughs> All the best. <laughs> These games are all great. Uh, just you should probably buy them all. Click here. Uh, but you know, like. Wait. I'm surprised they aren't taking better advantage of that kind of direct relationship. Sure, uh, and and I think that that's that's probably where this all ends up for absolutely for everyone. Essentially, it's,
0: it's just in it, what we're talking about are these you know monolithic corporations trying to turn that wheel, and I yeah. think that's where you get into. And you see it with all these companies where you ask for a statement and it's got to be bounced around like PR to this person, to this team, to get let's bounce it to Japan
1: and see what they yeah, say. You, you ask for a statement and you're like, you guys are making a new console. What's up with that? And then they just don't write back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's exactly how it goes. <laughs> It's, I think
2: I think you're right in the sense that like, you see it with Sony already. I think Sony's actually like kind of delegitimizing its Tokyo base and actually putting everything now in the West because they realize yep. with the, we already saw the Canary Nicole line with PS4 launching in the United States first. They're like, we're not launching in Japan. We're not launching simultaneously. We're launching in our biggest market because that's what makes sense mm-hmm. regardless of the monolithic nature of our old corporation. Um, and I agree with you. I think it, it is shocking specifically with Sony uh, and Microsoft that they don't do more of this. And I do feel like there's a little bit of a, a gun shyness specifically what we we're talking about with digital sales mm-hmm. about why not just charge less for digital games and oh, then you sure. just drive but they can't because they can't alienate people that are selling their hardware no, they can't oh, yeah, alienate yeah. their there and i actually think there might be a little bit of that where they're like why not have a show every day on playstation network even right and they're like well we don't we're not quite ready to put the gun barrel against the head of traditional media yet yeah maybe we'll do that in a few years or whatever. we have to kind of still play nice and i do think that that's probably starting to factor into the arithmetic as well but yeah. you still see it with Activision's blog and Ubisoft's blog and EA's blog, where they're just like not yeah. even. Well, lumped, that's the you know. thing
0: is they're catching up, right? Like right. I think
2: you, you you we all know how much it takes
0: to make something even this crappy looking, right? Like the work and the time it takes. So for Sony to sit there and be like, oh, like, that, like the blog was in Activision's blog, all those were the first steps, and that's right. catching up to what we knew print me- or print digital media was. Yeah, I
1: mean four years ago EA was interviewing themselves and putting it up on YouTube and no one was watching. Yeah, now they have eight hundred thousand people or however many watching the Battlefield reveal, and it looks like they shot it in a closet you know like it looks my ter- like video looked terrible but no one cares because it had the trailer in it and that's right. what people actually wanted to see uh so and and also you know those publishers are kind of taking up the things that the traditional media has kind of retreated from you know like it used to be back in the day like you know we kind of had this policy almost of like we're going to cover everything and 90 percent of the traffic went to 10 percent of the games yeah so you throw in an ad market that is steadily crumbling and it gets harder and harder to make your revenue targets as these you know, big monolithic video game websites and all this other stuff, at some point you're like, you know what, we're going to double down on the things that people actually want to read. And so you know, that's like two of EA's games, and, but they've got eight more they still need to find a way to get the word out to people. So they're going to take their two games and eight more and just do it themselves. Yeah. And you know, the media will get its little bits here and there and all this other stuff. But you know, if you were, and I don't, I think everyone is pivoting and everyone's kind of made their, their moves one way or the other. Uh, but if you're kind of relying on like information from publishers to like make your page view targets and make your business run, that's, that's not going to last. Uh, but yeah,
0: So do you feel, I mean, because I feel like it's such hyperbole, but it it seems like, is E3 dying? Because my first E3 was the dead E3. All right, go to Santa Monica and run around. I'm like, this sucks. (laughs) I I I always
1: opened EGM and saw awesome photos. I had a great time at 2073. We had, uh, it was my last E3 with uh, GameSpot. Yeah. And I got a speeding ticket on the way down. And then uh, we had rented out a restaurant on the Santa Monica Pier. And we were doing a live show there, and I was hosting it that year. So I just got to sit in this restaurant, you and every, it was air-conditioned. Yeah. It was on the pier. Go get corn dogs whenever I needed them.
2: <laughs> and they just brought all the games <laughs> to us. So yeah. I went
1: to that airplane hangar for like 10 minutes to play Burnout and then left. Yeah. And and that was the best. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the E3 that everyone looked at and said, oh, we need to bring E3 back because there's not enough pomp and circumstance. Uh, the mainstream media, which at the time you know, I think a lot of publishers thought they wanted – uh, they still do to to whatever extent, but uh, they didn't care because it didn't look like this big spectacle anymore. So, you know, the L.A. news didn't go down there and go, video games, they're bigger than ever. And we're here at the E3. Here's this person dressed up like Lara Croft. Sir, what are you doing here? You know, like like those sorts of news stories yeah, yeah. Uh, mattered to a certain extent. But you can get your mainstream coverage other ways. Nintendo used to always, like... You know, they'd make their announcements at E3, but USA Today would have it three hours before their press conference. They can still go to USA Today and say, uh, hey, here's our new console. You should run it on the front page. And USA Today probably will. (laughs) Uh, So, like, the idea when Nintendo kind of more or less pulled out of E3 as well this year... uh, you know, there were a lot of people that, that thought that, that was foolish, but I was looking to go, they can get what they want other ways. Right. You know, E3 is, is not the end-all, be-all.
0: Well, this is, I mean, for Nintendo, this E3 is like very interesting because it was like hey everybody shut up no NX Zelda nonstop, period that's it we'll see you in a few months that to me (laughs) that that
1: to me just says that they don't want to lose their booth space because if you give up your booth space on the floor someone else gets it and Mm -hmm. if you want to come back in the following year you're at the back of the line Nintendo would probably be a little closer to the front of the line sure but you get my point like the, you know that's why Konami had their big black box on the show floor a couple years ago with like zero games in it they're like well someday we might want to show games and then I think the year after that they realized like oh we're oh, never we, gonna we're no. never gonna make any of those ever again. Do you guys so, care about pachinko machines? Yeah, no? see we you could, later. We could bring them. I mean I don't know. <laughs> we sell them. They do quite well. Um, health club? You want maybe like learn about <laughs> no? health club? Nobody no? wants okay. to. Okay, cool. Uh, so you know that sort of stuff. E three is changing, but the nature of being a video game publisher in 2016 has changed so much from what it was five mm-hmm. years ago. Also with you know, mobile and just the constant slew of open betas and just like people have have greater access to broken builds of games than they've ever had before. Uh, they're seeing stuff that's more broken than we ever would have seen 10 years ago on a preview tour or something like that. Like that stuff's (laughs) getting released for people going like here, bang on it. I don't know. Uh, so it's green light. Don't get mad. Yeah, exactly. Like just click the button and say, you like it day one patch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then a day two patch. Maybe my favorite thing is
2: getting games from publishers and they're like the games printed and here. It is. Just so you know, we'll have two more patches before the game even comes out. So you're not getting the quite the game you want yet.
0: Yeah. But we highly recommend you install the patch like, before oh, you review it. Right.
1: Uh, but, you know, but on top of that, like, you know, it's not like those are going to be the last patches that guarantee everything's going to work either. Right. I mean, stuff breaks like everything's complicated mm-hmm. now. Nothing ever works. It's it's weird. It's really weird out there. Yeah. You
0: um, just put it in and it worked. Not no more.
1: Exactly. Not no now more. I got to be, no be on the internet and then that's what breaks it half the time. Yeah, exactly. Like put I mean, it on why, the internet and then it's can't like oh I play this a Oh, you have too many PSN friends. It's like what uh, the fuck? Yeah. Come on. Right. That was, <laughs> I, I ended up having to cut a bunch of people at the PS4 launch. Like I was like I'm going to let it fill up and it filled all the way up and I'm like this is great. Look at all these people that I don't know. And
2: then yeah, like Assassin's any, Creed yeah. and a
1: bunch of other stuff at launch was broken and yeah, I, I didn't even know it. Every Alien so often I sit still, there and try to knock out a hundred just get The funny thing about
2: Alienation is that Dead Nation was broken the same exact way on PS3 and then on PS4. And now Alienation... It's like, don't you fucking QA... Is there no checkbox... On the debug, it to just, say, like, yeah. populate PSN list completely so we can but test figure it. It. I, I can actually
1: tell you that, no, there that checkbox is definitely well, not there. Because it, <laughs> it's just the thing of, like, there's, uh, it, yeah, you could populate
0: it, but then it's not, it doesn't have real people on the debug network to ping to see right. what that would look. It's like, just so funny that
2: they keep suffering. I love Mark, but the amazing the, game,
1: like, how, how does that stuff not roll back into, like, their core, like, code base it's or whatever? It's absolutely yeah. bizarre. Like, yeah.
2: someone's definitely, the producer not paying attention, probably. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll I'll be interested to see how this all pans out. Um, and and to, to Jeff's point earlier, I'll be interested to see if and when, and I think the answer is when Microsoft gets in, in on this too, uh, sure. with doing their own show. Because I think PSX, the first PSX I found to be a little, it was fun, but it was a little sad almost. Where I was like, it was too, it was too big. The space was too oh, big for the I amount see, of people yeah, okay, there. Okay, okay, sure, sure. So it was like it looked a little empty, and I'm like, this is not Vegas isn't the right look for the show. This space isn't the right look for the show. And then PSX at Moscone was totally different. And I think that they kind of nailed the tempo. They nailed the the breadth of of what they want to do. And
1: they had some good announcements there as well. I mean, it wasn't like E3 scale every single time, but like it was a good... It was the right level of announcements that you you would want to have for this playstation focus and that's
0: the thing is like getting you know understanding the audience you're talking to whereas yeah. like you save your marquee let's get in usa today stuff 43 but then you do get to come out and have geo of course you come out and be like hey right here's seven new vita games yeah. and we're all like Aah! yeah and everyone's just excited <laughs> to see geo yeah oh I mean, exactly. yeah, like, yeah, yeah look at that jersey what's that what, what hockey jersey he's wearing yeah. today oh
1: um yeah, like that That stuff's great. Uh, it's great that they've, they've been able to to do that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I think, yeah, the, the E3 press conferences are the things that matter. And for better or worse, the media started broadcasting them on television, all this other stuff. Like they turned from like, hey, we're having a press conference to we're putting on a show. Uh, and it just got out of hand. Hey,
0: Mr. Caffeine.
1: Bigger, yeah, they all, they all got bigger than they should have become in a weird way. And, and now seeing it kind of maybe start to come back down makes some sense. Uh, I think it's
0: an, it's rubber banding again in the way of like yeah. the the amount of press people that go to these and are like can you turn off the fucking music can I just hear can you talk to me can I not scream over the game what's happening like you know that, that's the E3 I want just like how we always talk about though that's the industry party we want right right where he's yeah. walking in like oh there's really low key music and we're just chilling and it's brightly lit and I can talk to you and yeah. see you and this is great yeah. uh,
1: yes oh there's that, corn dogs awesome great see Pactor's party does not have corn dogs yeah so that's where he blows that's, it that's where he messes it up but. sure Yeah, it's E3 is a a really... It has always been weird. You know, the Atlanta years were strange in their own way. uh, And the whole thing grew out of CES. And, you know, CES was really great because there were a ton of great Super Nintendo games there, but also car stereos. (laughs) Uh, But also video games were in a tent, and it was in Vegas in January. They just had this big, huge, heated tent full of SNES games. This is like 92. Uh, And... Uh, the games just got treated with zero respect. So at some point it was like we are going to put on our own show because CES actually kind of hates it, hates that we're here, uh, and you know that that was the reason it was born. But I think that you know in in some ways it's outlived its usefulness and and needs to change. There's yeah. still a reason to have something called E3, and those press conferences are still always a big deal. But the bulk of the news is over Tuesday morning right? when that last press conference happens. And M- that's what's night now, I guess
0: so weird about it. And back to our conversations about like, well, do we go? Do we just... Because right. last year you figure we had three days of coverage on GameSpot. There were interviews and reactions and right. we saw zero games. We put zero games on. We did oh, zero right. Let's yeah, Plays. Yeah. It didn't need it. And our, the content that performed the best... Cisco was there. I oh, mean, shit, Cisco. Man. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not putting down what yeah. we did. We did good content. But it is that fact of like... We could have done that from home, the reaction streams, and then we could have reacted to the demos individually, And because even when we went behind closed doors and came out, it was like, cool, I saw more of this Uncharted demo. You already saw most of it, viewer, but here's what was different. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, seeing the rest of that sequence, it was, yeah, it was nice to get on a podcast and go like, oh, man, actually, they probably should have showed that whole thing, because yes. the back half of it was the actual awesome part. yeah, yeah. yeah um but i think they got what they wanted out of that where they got a bunch of people coming out of it going like you're not gonna believe what they showed me yeah, which yeah is all yeah. they really want yeah
0: but that's and until i think and that's the weird thing about e3 is it's like mutual assured destruction kind of thing it, it, i don't think it, maybe we lessen who we send one year or whatever blah, blah, blah. Hmm. but when it is that i can go down there and bust out a bunch of interviews with like oh yeah you know austin right. creed's gonna be there and cliff will be there yeah. and there's these people i need to when, when do we get everybody in one place and mm-hmm. there's plenty of times like GDC you get a lot of them here and like right. you get a lot of people here but like to get everyone in one spot and know that you can go down there and put out good content
1: yeah I mean that's you know the thing I said when everyone started pulling out is like as long as like you know they'll give us a couch and a camera like I'll go down there and put on our show yeah uh, because everyone is going to be in the same place it's worth getting everyone together and having a bunch of really dumb conversations
0: Dumb conversations are fun.
1: That's all I know how to do anymore.
0: Uh, us too, right? <laughs> we All of our real skills are gone. Used to be now. some
1: insight at some point. Nah,
0: no, no, no. Let's just be stupid and yell in the morning.
1: Uh, I want to thank Patreon producer
0: Stephen Insler once again. Of course, he went to patreon.com slash games. Supported us at the producer level. So here he is. He's the Patreon producer for this episode. Thank you. What are you, what are you shaking your head at? Why You, you don't like Stephen? No, I did this. I don't expect you to put up a lower third. Stephen didn't pay for the lower third. All right. Is oh. that another tier? We haven't added it yet, yet but I'm okay, sure great.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Kevin, Topic
0: number 3. Jeff Gersman has played more VR than you. You've played a lot of VR. I Every have, time yeah. I, I see one of these fob wash gifts you're out there, you're doing stuff, you're, you're throwing uh, the 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 bowling balls, uh-huh. you're punching things, you're swimming yeah. around, people are dancing. say Dan Riker's the... just laughing like an idiot. Yeah, that's you know. <laughs> that's what he again, does. Again, yeah.
1: insight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they sent us the headsets and we use them. That's awesome. Yeah. Like uh,
0: so I want to know about it because we have the Vive. Mm-hmm. We use it one morning and then our room's too small. And we haven't done anything with yep. it, and yep. we're excited for PlayStation VR. But that'll get here when it gets here, and da da da. And yeah. Oculus, we're like, eh, we, don't, we don't, we're not PC people. That's not what we're about. Sure, right. So for you. The more you've played, I mean, how how, uh, how do you, can you quantify it? How many hours? How many games? Uh,
1: how many games? It's probably like 40 or, 50, I mean, you know, games. In sure, yeah, cases, yeah, But, you know, it's it's probably something like 40, 50, 60 And are there. you
0: chasing it because you believe in it? Because you enjoy it? Because you fans enjoy it? I enjoy
1: it. People seem to enjoy our coverage, uh, yeah. which is funny. Like, you, you talk to some other sites out there writing news stories and stuff. They're like, oh, VR tanks. Like, no one cares about it. And they actually does quite well for us. Yeah. But, you know, we're doing videos. And yeah, you're I being think,
0: goons with your friends wearing yeah, it, right? basically.
1: Yeah. Like, we're using it as intended, I feel. And there are some people out there that are, you know, trying to be in the serious VR community. They're like, those guys aren't showing the games right. And I'm like, no, I think we're showing them all the way right. Uh, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not necessarily playing things up to make things look bad. I'm just, I want to put these headset on headsets on and get like first impressions in a lot of cases. We're going to try this thing. It looks like Breakout. I don't know. Put the headset on. Let's go. Yeah, here's yet another version of Breakout that I can play (laughs) with a headset on. Great. Um, And that's been the problem. Uh, And it's the the same thing we say about Steam. uh, You know, is, you know, they there are just a lot of games that anyone can put out whenever. Sure. And, and so the Oculus store is a little more curated for better or worse. Cause that just means there's like really expensive bad games for sale <laughs> there. Whereas like you see stuff that's like $6, $7 uh, on steam uh, for the vive. And there've been some really amazing things I've done in VR, but a lot of it has been, you know, the equivalent of like a mini game you know, like here's another take on pong. Here's another yeah. tennis thing. Here's a, you know, another sport kind of vaguely recreated. Here's a half assed kind of shooting game. Uh, and all of it has been fascinating in its own way. And it's the sort of stuff that I look at it you know, like my, my take hasn't changed, you know, from, from we did eight hour streams at launch for both headsets, uh, nine, eight, whatever it was. And it's like, it's, it's really great. There is a future of video games feel to it, but it's all very expensive. And most of these games are bad. So it's very early days and eventually people will start to figure out what are the right ways to, you know, it's sort of like, you know, like iOS games were terrible when they first came out. Some say they still are.
0: I was going to say Colin but, Holt, but sit you back. Know,
1: <laughs> so, like you can, okay, you can make a decent game for a touch screen. Sure. And people have gotten better at doing that in the years since the the, the iPhone became a big deal. Um, I think VR is in that same state where like you just have a lot of people trying to figure out what they can do. And then you have a lot of people that are just like, Hey, here's a quick way to make some money while people are content starved Mm. and, and bought this $800 headset. And so some of that stuff feels a little bit like a scam. Um, but then you play something like Budget Cuts, which is a demo that's uh, that's on Steam. It's for the for the Vive, and it's like a full on stealth game that like seems really intelligently built around the mechanics. And that was the first time that actually I kind of got down low to look through a vent and actually put my arm out to steady, steady myself on a wall that wasn't there. Right. And as soon as that happened, I was like, "Oh shit! It finally happened!" Like it's it a thing I'd been waiting for uh, the whole time we had been doing these streams. Because everything else was like, you know, I, I'm not getting motion sick. I'm not feeling anything. It's just right. like, hey, here's kind of a dumb game. I'm going to keep hitting this ball and, or I'm going to keep shooting this stuff. But, like, you you start to see little hints of people like, okay, that's a great mechanic that should be in everything that where it makes sense. And But then you see a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, well, you know, you can throw stuff here's a bowling ball. You can throw it. I don't know. We, we rendered a bowling alley. We did some (laughs) physics. There you go. Uh, So it's, it's, it's all over the place right now. So it's like this wild West vibe. And I actually kind of like that about it uh, except for the part where it's all super expensive.
2: Yeah. I wonder, you know, it seems like people are trying to get on board that the mentality seems to be very similar to getting a launch game out. Reminds me of, PS2 launch, where there was actually a fucking asinine amount of games for PS2 when it came out. They were just all bad.
1: Surfing H3O, man. Yeah.
2: That's yeah. Cool. And, and, you know, like Summoner and what? Well, there's like, I think even From put out like multiple launch games. Yep. Which, and yeah. it's like, which is like, and, and, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of that mentality where it's like, these games kind of suck, but you're getting here because it makes, Financial sense to get here, and at yeah. least you're the first to try and see what works it's and what the same doesn't. Same reason, like Ubisoft would always have like a bunch of
1: Wii games at launch. There's oh, like, the well, Rabbids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, whatever. Those games they were suck. okay for I what hate they were. those work. guys. Yeah, I hate those guys. Yeah, they're
2: terrible. <laughs> um, do you think uh, we asked this question to a lot of people, um, or or I do anyway? That we, we meet and we, we talk to about success of the VR, or whatever? Because I, I I think Greg's a believer too. I'm certainly a believer in VR. I think it's awesome. Um, I've not played nearly as many games as you have, but. I do think it's a new way to play. I think it's akin to shoulder buttons. I think it's akin to analog sticks. I think it's akin to like, just it's going to stay. It makes the motion
1: controller thing from the Wii and the move controller.
2: It makes that stuff make sense in a way that it didn't before. When you're looking at a TV, you're like...
1: (laughs) <laughs> but it, this is around you
2: it's yeah exactly in, in other words i feel like it's like well like when we went from joysticks to d-pads it was like well that's a, that's that makes sense and this is the way it's going to be now and i feel like vr in a way even though it's maybe going to take a slice off we're still going to play games with controllers i've always said i think we're still going to be play, play games with controllers on screens in 50 years i don't think i don't think there's going to be fundamental things that are ever going to change in that way we just might not we might be doing it in different ways but do you think that this will have long-term financial success even though it's expensive and who do you think will win because um I don't really see a future since it is so prohibitively expensive, and since there is such a niche that I don't really feel like everyone can win.
1: Right. Yeah. I I agree. Uh, But also, I think that not every player is in the space yet. Uh, And uh, I think things are going to change, start to change more rapidly now that this stuff is out there. Uh, I think PlayStation VR is in a really good spot because they're going to hit a price point that makes more sense for more people. And they're going to be a little bit more focused on just, you know, like games that make sense for for that market hopefully you know they'll they'll, they'll, I think they'll curate a little more tightly than than valve does with steam uh, and and I think that will be to their benefit. The performance is there. With you, that ho- headset. you hope that
0: with PlayStation, right? It's the lessons learned from Move and all these different things. Because yeah. when they announced it, that's what I kept saying. I'm like, this looks cool. I'm terrified it's going to be another Move, which was like, hey, right. cool. I got it in May. And then the they literally hand you Move garbage. controllers, and
1: you're like, oh, no.
0: What? No. Don't. No. <laughs> I'm a guy on a chair sliding down a hill and right. doing it with. They're like, what the fuck is going on? And I
1: think that that's actually my one concern about PlayStation VR is. Uh, the, the move controller stuff uh, not being as accurate as the Vive motion controllers. Mm-hmm. With the Vive motion controller, you can kind of move it as fast as your arms can move. Uh, with the move, with the camera tracking on the, on the PlayStation Move controller, I was doing something recently which I can't actually say what it was, but I was trying to move as fast as I possibly could. And I was moving faster than the move could track me. Uh. Now, this is not final software. I think, you know, they've got some improvements to make in the libraries and some other stuff. But... It was that feeling that I had when the move controller first came out of like this is doesn't track well enough. Mm. Uh, And so that's my concern there. But also, I think mobile VR is going to be really Mm. big, bigger than than I think some people might think, because you'll have again, it'll be that price point sort of thing. And also the untethered uh, nature of it.
0: I had that moment on a plane within the last six months where we landed and I heard the lady like over the aisle go what was that thing you were wearing? And he was taking off. I was like, oh, oh. you know, I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Yeah. People are on planes just like, fuck it, doing this, looking right. at it. I'm being all weird. So <laughs> the,
1: the the other thing I think you'll see, and, and this might be the thing that actually changes more traditional games a little bit more than this, is when augmented reality, when AR mm-hmm. or, uh, or mixed reality, uh, MR, as I saw someone calling it recently, uh, starts to kind of happen. Uh, there's a company, I think they're in Florida, uh, Magic Leap, they're called, and they've got like something like a billion dollars of investment uh very few people have tried their tech but everyone i've talked to that has says it's the thing you want these vr headsets to be that it's the real deal oh wow and there's a video on youtube of it of uh like the dreamworks or weta or somebody yeah weta did the 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 graphics on it or something and it's like you're you're putting on glasses you're looking at an office and then you're picking up a real gun that then gauges and dials and you know like a hud pops up okay a hud pops up and then you know monsters start Flying out of the walls and stuff, and, you, and you're you're gunning them down, and apparently that works as advertised in this YouTube video. Uh, and on top of that, they're a little bit beyond that, and apparently they're just straight up blasting the signal into your eyes. Jesus, which sounds really dangerous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. And and so like it's it's you know they, they haven't been out there doing a lot of PR. Wired had a story recently that that kind of shed some more light on on what they're doing. But the thing that they said in there that you know you, you, when you first hear it, it sounds insane. But then you start to think about it. You're like, actually, that might work Uh, once the resolutions get to a point that they need to be is like, what if we just didn't have screens anymore? And the first thing people say is like, that'll never work because people want to have a social experience. It's like, okay, well, what if everyone's wearing the glasses and the social experience is still happening? But we're just all, you know, wearing the glasses and the, the screen is over here or we're all watching a movie and we're in different places. Or we're all playing a multiplayer game that way. Yeah. Um. You know, they're they're saying in that Wired article, they said that like their employees are pretty soon going to not have monitors on their desks anymore because they're just going to be using the tech uh, for their computer screens. Like the awesome. resolution is, is such that that's possible. It all sounds like a pipe dream. It all sounds sure. insane. I'll believe it when I see it. But when you start to figure out what the future might look like of this stuff, as the screen technology gets better, as the the resolutions improves, the refresh rates improves, the there's more power driving the 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 headsets uh you start to see that this could actually start to happen and it'll get cheaper as more and more people get into the space and as as screen technology starts being made at a a higher quantity and that's the sort of stuff that starts to make changes It's like okay well you know yeah maybe we'll still use controllers but maybe we just won't have the screen uh and it sounds crazy and i know there are a lot of people that are just like that's never gonna happen because i'm kind of halfway there but also the possible future when you start to spend a lot of time with a Vive and all this other stuff and realize this is a first-gen product uh what's that going to look like in five years
2: yeah i think that I, that's what i'm excited about because i know i identify i think with the big three right now which i would say would be Vive, oculus and then sony is is uh an achilles heel for each of them but also a, a route to success and I feel like I agree with you that Sony um, Warren Lanning was actually the one that, t- t- that kind of convinced me that Sony was the one that was most ex- was probably going to be most successful out of the game. I was like, that doesn't make any sense, but he had the whole. But this was a long time ago. The, the whole price point going to be right. They already have a ubiquitous box. Um, it seems to me that like, and it's incredibly comfortable. Like yeah, the, yeah, I, I agree. The PlayStation VR,
1: like the, the they are a hardware company they made it really really well
2: yeah I, I agree with you there i think their achilles heel obviously is going to be hardware yeah. um i think that that's the whole reason why they're making a the new console and i think that until we can get onboard processing on these things which is far away at an affordable price point that you're it's going to be, be shitty to be tethered to this machine that you know is just not strong enough to run the games that it can really run on the other side you have oculus which i think is going to suffer from not only its high price point but being first in a lot of ways even though they aren't the first vr headset you know technically they are the first one of any visibility in this new kind of rush, um, but it reminds me a lot. I was I was thinking about this recently. It reminds me a lot of engage in in a way where everyone's like. <laughs> what the fuck is this shit who wants to play these games on their phone and right. then three years later everyone's playing games on their phone and and, and Nokia's over and here Paris being like, was like I told you so I think that there could be something with that where it's like it's too expensive it's too soon it's it's but they, they have a lot of funding from Facebook so they're good and I think Vive has a visibility problem so I think and I don't mean an optics problem for the machine I mean right. I, think, I think they have a also like problem. you know
1: HTC is tethered to the phone market mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and they're not doing the numbers there that a Samsung is. And, you know, like right. there, There's a lot of stuff uh, along those lines as well. But yeah, you know, like Oculus is having a ton of trouble just getting headsets to the people that want to pay for them.
2: Yeah, that's uh, what I've been reading, which is astounding. People that even, I think, supported it very early aren't getting theirs, but you can go in a store and buy one. Or well, something.
1: so the Best Buy, they, they must have done some deal with Best Buy a while ago that they had to honor, even though their shipment thing went totally sideways, right? There's no other reason why yeah. they do it. But it sounds like the Best Buy is, you know, in some cases, we're getting like five of them. So it wasn't even going to put a huge dent in that pre-order market uh, and was probably something they were just beholden to in a way they couldn't get out of. That's my guess. But but they're not talking about a lot of stuff. And they made some changes recently to the Oculus software that actually locks out Vive users. Uh, some people had made some, some kind of hacky uh, middleware stuff that was running Oculus games on a Vive. They have since locked that up. Uh, from the sounds of it, not on purpose. It's just some other changes they made to avoid hacks and stuff. But uh, still... In early days, that's the sort of stuff that doesn't look great. But more importantly, I think they maybe underestimated the early adopter market. And it's something mm-hmm. that I, I did as well. I thought like, well, make like the Oculus story makes sense. They put it out. You use a gamepad. Then when more enough people have the headsets, they go, hey, check this out. Here's some some controllers. But it turns out anyone crazy enough to spend six hundred is crazy enough to spend eight hundred and get a Vive and get the controllers right off the bat. And that is a much richer experience than what you get with an oculus and an xbox controller on a pc
0: right the first time we got to play the vive uh, for me and i think it was for you too was down to rooster teeth in the achievement hunter and like yeah, yeah it was, cool. was like
2: somebody tosses you the
0: thing and you grab it in yeah. the space like, like the thing Whoa. from that video where they where yeah. they like you can
2: totally do that yeah, yeah and yeah, it, yeah. it's crazy yeah that was also um, the first time i had the experience where i was in the, i forgot my spatial i had no spatial awareness, and i fucking nailed nick scarpino when i was i was playing like some game on yeah. and i just turned around and just whacked him <laughs> And I'm like, oh that's, shit. He was I'm trying so, to film me being an idiot for in. getting in close. Exactly, like, exactly. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. So like all that stuff
1: is is really great. Uh but at the same time, a lot of the games are very much not great and everything is really expensive. You know, you have a, a case where like a game like The Climb that uh that that Crytek made is like fifty dollars on the Oculus store, and it's not a it's not a very good game uh you have, you know a lot of cases where like you know a job simulator it's a wonderful mini game kind of thing it, it's it's a great illustrative thing of the the power of the touch controllers and, and or the of the the, the vive wands and and stuff like that but also they at launch they wanted like 40 bucks for it right uh and yeah you know, they they've cut price since then so you know people are figuring out but you know out, when it comes but, to
0: PlayStation it'll be the same deal yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: like and and that'll that'll be curious to see if you know if if people have learned those lessons or if they're in so deep that they literally have to charge this for it because they need to try to make their money. Back. And
2: I'm sure they have to set
0: a precedent too. I'm sure PlayStation will be pushing the precedent oh, sure. of what yeah. it's going to cost right. to put out a PlayStation VR game. But yeah.
2: I also think that curate, and this is something we talked about with Shuhei at G- GDC, which I think goes to the point you were making earlier about curation, which is. Um, well, having a, 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 a great volume of launch games makes sense for hardware that's proven. So we had it with, you know, within the Sony ecosystem, Vita had a lot of launch games. PS4 actually had a lot of launch games. And we, we know what these, we know what these can do or whatever. I actually think the opposite is going to be, it should be true with VR, even though I don't think it's going to be true. And this is what I was trying to stress the you. is like, you guys better find your four or five best games and you better leave it at that, man. Because if you, if you launch with all of these, all this fucking garbage, this is, this is a new way that we have got to teach people how to play and, and accept. And if you come out, and people feel burned spending $100 on some of these fucking trash games that I know are going to be on the PlayStation Network because they're on the PlayStation Network every goddamn week on PS4 right. yeah. and Vita. You talk
1: they, about, like, it's it's not unlike Steam. Where you're right. just like, oh, here's this,
2: like, mobile, like, what is it, Tennis in the Face and
1: stuff. Yeah. You're like, check out this phone game we made work with the PlayStation. You're it's like, un- it's why? unbelievable.
2: Why? So I'm like, I'm like you guys better take a different tact because I really do think this is going to injure the product. If you, like, it's, it's almost what I've been saying about PSN for years where I'm like you could probably get rid of 75% of these games completely and I don't think anyone would give a flying fuck how much how much could this game with this broken the drop description like we were talking about on PS I Love You that's translated from Japanese that no oh, one even yeah, proofread right, right. How, how many hundreds of copies is that going to sell I mean can you really just get rid of it and then when someone searches for a game of a similar name they actually find what they're looking for and it's good is there any, any quality control I do think that there's an obje- and, and so in VR what I'm saying I guess is there's a subjectivity to video games we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I think that's true. I do think in VR it's a little different. I do think that there's going to be an objective measure of quality about how a game works, how it runs, and how and, and its frame rate, and all that kind of stuff. And you must pay attention to that stuff because if people have a bad experience with VR their first or second time, they're never going to go back to it, and you are going to lose them forever.
1: Yeah, I, I suspect that like the requirements, I, I actually, like talking to developers, I think the requirements for getting a VR game onto Sony's stuff, there are more performance requirements than you would have for, say, a traditional... Game, uh, so I think they realized that like yeah, people get sick if they if they get this wrong, uh, so they'll they'll probably hopefully put it through the ringer there. I hope um, so
2: because that's that's my one major fear is that seeing PSN t- slowly turn into the App Store. Has really been distressing because it used to be. It's still a great place where you can play great games, but I look at PSN all the time, and, and I, we pay very close attention to that ecosystem. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is this? These shit? games that limp out, they're nowhere.
1: They're fe- featured on the store. A- like, what the hell? Xbox One is not that different. You know, th- their storefront is definitely. You know, but but at the same time, like I feel like those games don't get featured very often, and that's the difference. And that's that's the the problem you run into when you say. Hey, anyone can publish on our platform. We're open to indie devs. Like you want to do that because you want to get as many games as possible, but that's also going to open the floodgates for a bunch of stuff that you would rather probably not see on your system. Um, and so yeah, yeah, I think if you're if you're looking at it as closely as we are, because that's our daily job, is to go look at the new releases on Steam, PSN, all this other stuff and go like, did anything come out? No, this week what's going on? And you see like eight games that you've never heard of that you look at and go, okay, this like $1.49 thing it is trash um i wonder how what percentage of the overall consumer base on psn is actually d- digging that deep because it's not like the store's great
2: at exposing right. that stuff but then it then it brings up the, the the point of why should it be on there at all and that's yeah. that's a yeah. that's a whole another like topic or whatever i'd love to see we've talked about this before some sort of objectivity panel at Sony or something where it's like 20 people like play a little bit of everything
0: they're sitting there in their Kryptonian robes (laughs) up or down in a serious way
2: being like we got this game we can put it through certification we can make a little bit of money on it like but should we even have it at all like can you all just play it and just tell me like and if 15 of you think we should have it then we'll put it up even if it's just okay but this is like then we then it always brings me back like they're just such busted ass games on PSN and I just don't believe that they're going to keep that away from PSVR no matter how stringent their QA and their certification is, you know this shit's going to be on there and someone's first entry into this is going to be one of those bad games and they're going to lose them.
1: Yeah, but I think, you know, like the the dark end of that is the early days of, or, or most of Xbox Live Arcade and the Xbox 360 where they kept a very tight grip on that and had like one game a week and sometimes that game was not great and you're like, okay, well, I guess this game, this this week's game sucks and then they eventually loosened it up a little bit. They are like, oh, we got two games, we got three games, but it was still like, you know, you would talk to developers and they'd be like, it's, I, don't, I don't want to work with them because, like, if, if, A, if we can't get through this process, it's not even worth, like, we, we're wasting money developing this build at all if we're not going to be able to get on the store. And then on top of that, because of the way the store is built, and I think this is a problem with, definitely with Steam, uh, I think PSN, same deal, if they don't get featured, the game might as well not exist. Mm. Uh, it's the thing you, you hear about app stores on phones all the time is if you don't get featured, your game is dead. Like, that's starting to happen. That's definitely happening on Steam. Uh, and it's definitely or, or it's happening to a certain extent on Steam, and I think it's happening more and more on consoles as well. As you hear people saying like, "Well, we didn't get the promotional slot that that this platform holder holder said we were going to because someone else came in and bought up all the space, right. or whatever happened."
0: And this doubles uh, back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Where it's like, "Okay, cool. I'm a I'm a big .dot com video game website. I'm only going to cover the top five percent of games." Totally. And so the, I just had an indie developer hit me up that I need to respond to because we're so busy. But an email is just like. How do I get anyone to pay attention to my game? Like I'm trying. Right. I've I've taken all this feedback. I'm hitting up you know podcasts with codes and trying to get people to play it, and it's just not happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the the reality of it now is that you know every week like we we've started saying no to more games. Like we used to you know we used to record uh, more quick looks than we do now, but it was a situation where it's like we're doing these games that like you know no one really wants to see. Like the the numbers bear out to a point where it's like you know we should probably take this time and spend it a right. different way. Uh, and so we scaled back a little, like ever so slightly. It's like okay, well, if we're doing fifteen now. We're doing twelve, like, you know, <laughs> like that sort of thing. Uh, and yeah, so we we spend a lot of time looking at games that we then go on to not cover uh, because we look at it and go like, nah, I think we're yeah, I think we're okay there.
0: We we did the same thing with Let's Plays. We were doing a Let's Play every day, and some of these were then just yeah. like cool here's this download that looks interesting oh we're playing it's not that interesting and the audience was like i didn't i wasn't even interested off the thumbnail or headline, or name so i didn't even come to watch it
1: like if we feel like we have something to say about a game if we come out and go like hey here's something you need to see or hey here's something you need to see so that you don't don't go down this road and buy this like that's the sort of stuff that we're more likely to spend our our time on uh and that's yeah, I think that's been very frustrating for a lot of indie developers, but they're kind of experiencing the same thing that big publishers experienced 5 years ago when everyone said, "Hey, you know, like we're going to come to your event, but we're not going to write a hands-on preview of the kid's game you're making yeah, yeah. because no no one in our audience wants to read that story." Um or, "Hey, we're not going to shoot as many interviews at this event as we would have 3 years ago because the numbers say that you know these five games. You know that no one wants to to yeah. watch that video. It seems
0: like PR gets it right, or developers and publishers get it. And we're like so for E three. I've been hit up so many. I'm like, cool, game looks great. Not our thing. That's not what we're known for. So I can't really help you. Yeah. My
2: audience doesn't want to see that. It's viciously cyclical, I think, too, in the yeah. sense that like you know I do feel bad for some of these indie devs. You were talking about eight four before, and then on, someone pointed me to their podcast because when they had the shovel knight guys on. They were talking about how they were going to get the game out. And they were talking about how they identified me as like as someone who was like, we know Colin loves Mega Man. We know he loves all these things. We're going to go after him with Shovel Knight or whatever, and really try to get him interested in it. Fucking and my first thing was like, my first yeah. thing, my first, well, my first thing was like, I don't know how you guys could have made this game and not understood that this game was going to be huge. But apart from that, um, you shouldn't have to be so, uh, so, so fucking focused to try to get your game out there yet because everyone's spamming their bullshit all the time at you you don't you can't see the you know you can't separate the wheat from the chaff, as you always say so like the games that rise to the top like axiom verge or whatever or shovel knight or whatever in their wake are thousands of games that people tried to make you pay attention to in the same exact way so it's sad that people have to be so focused and upon a salvo certain people to try to get them to pay attention to the games and for most people it does not work and you know? sometimes i think that
1: ends up coming across as a little creepy uh, when you feel like you've been targeted to like, we're going to make you understand that this game is something you need to cover. It's like, uh, especially then know. if you don't like it. You're like, well, yeah, oh, I'm yeah, a big right. fan like, of these hey, games. Well, this one's not, <laughs> this is, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Like you got
2: your wish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Yacht Club specifically, I thought it was funny because they, I remember they taught, they emailed me and, uh, you know, at the time when we were at IGN, so I had mm-hmm. no idea that, you know, they had like, they, they, that they like you know we're like we know Colin is a huge fan of these games and in my mind I'm like it makes sense but they showed it to me and I'm like are you fucking kidding me this game looks awesome so like yeah. you totally are right like and I'll, I'll totally right about it like thanks
1: but, for, yeah. for, for realizing I would be into this because I totally am Yeah, yeah. I, was,
2: I was so happy about that same thing with to a lesser extent with Axiom Verge which was a game that I was like super into as well but uh in its kind of preview coverage, but for every one of those games, I also had the the emails or the people being like, This is your kind of game and you're gonna love this. It's just like Mega Man. And I play it or I'm like, this game fucking sucks. Like, why are you yeah. this game is nothing like Mega Man. Like what what You v- insult the name <laughs> Mega Man by but it's like How dare it you? But it's like uh, But it's one of those things where I'm like, What the hell are you talking about? This game's like Mega Man. And now you're just taking advantage of me. And it's a it's a kind of it's kind of a, a different kind of thing. So I think that there's for all those hits. Where it's like, well, yeah, you are right. I love this game, and I think it's really cool. And I am going to, I am going to write about it because I think it's a lot of fun. There were ten misses where it's yeah. like, you know, that, and and that's where all the shit gets lost. That anyway.
1: used to happen at like a major publisher level too. Where I, my understanding is, for a, for some period of time, my file at EA said that I really liked hockey, so I would get into random conversation. And I, before I realized, before I had heard this from someone, um, EA people would be like, "Hey, how's it going?" and then start talking about hockey, and I'd be like. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now yeah, hockey. Great. I don't, care. I, don't, I don't. I don't. You know. I don't dislike hockey. I liked a couple of EA hockey games in '93. Sure. Uh, but you know, uh, and it's
2: weird things like that.
1: Like the well, that's that's uh, I guess some additional level of creepiness or whatever. Oh, dude. Like, the file. They're f- keeping a file on. Yeah. Us. When
2: I first learned about that, that publishers and this is true. I guess maybe still. I don't know. Is that yeah. like publisher PR agencies have little things about like this is what you like mine probably says Colin loves fucking the apocalypse you know like the apocalypse and dystopia and all this kind of stuff say Colin loves the apocalypse you know like and all this this weird shit and he and and and, and I'm like I've never seen one but I've been and I wish I could just see what it says about me at EA or one of these things over the years but at the same time it is really weird but it's surgical because it's and that's the word I'm really looking for it's not focused it's surgical and it's smart but the surgical shit goes off the fucking reservation way more often than it doesn't. Right. When people are trying to make these tacit connections that don't exist. My 2D side scroller is like Metroid. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no, not. No, it certainly isn't like Metroid. Thanks for wasting 15 minutes of my time. And then you start to get disenchanted with these random blast emails you get and all these kinds of things yeah. as well. And then things don't rise to the top. And then it's the same shit over and over again. And But that's like, that's kind of just the, the vicious cycle. It, uh, it's
1: led to a point where, like, you know, we. We definitely do like we we get people just contacting us saying like hey here's a game and you know we'll, we'll check out some of them if it sounds interesting but there's a lot of stuff that we don't and and a lot of stuff that just you know like we we don't really cover uh, kickstarters if they mm. have not crossed the funding line yet unless there's something very newsworthy about it like hey this major player got in isn't that weird right and then the story is more about hey how desperate are they goodness you know like that sort of thing <laughs> um, not always you know, time so has changed change so, he's right. down on his yeah, luck, luck. Look, look at those in. guys <laughs> um, but we just get nonstop Kickstarter pitches like, hey, here's a game. We're launching the Kickstarter tomorrow. Here's yep. our trailer. And it's like we're not going to run ads for your thing. Yeah, like yeah. that's not what we're here to do. And, and, you know, if your game is good, we'll point people to it when they can buy it. Uh, by running video or coverage, then or sure. something, if if we think it's worth, if we if we think it looks cool,
0: not taking a shot on concept not, art, and, two years, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and and that's that's gone for a lot of people. Like we've been offered interviews with people who are you know major figures in the video game industry that have launched kickstarters, be like, sorry, no, we just, yeah, we're not going to do it.
2: It's funny though that it goes both ways. I do want to say that there was this. I was. You're working at a place like IGN you were so used to, and I'm sure you had the experience of Giant Bomb and and obviously GameSpot, where you kind of reach out to someone and they typically answer you because they're like, oh, this is probably could be fortuitous for me to have this conversation with the person in terms of like, you know, uh, getting my game out there or whatever. And I remember someone pointed me to this, and I don't know if it still exists. It was like this uh, 16-bit style role-playing game set in the American Revolution. And it was like being Kickstarter or something like that. And I reach out to them and I'm like, yo, this looks fucking awesome. Like, can mm. we interview like and they never answer me? And I'm like, huh. So it goes both ways. You don't want to talk to me either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sometimes you have to let the sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. That was topic three, and it was sponsored by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating your website with Squarespace is simple, intuitive, and easy to do. We did it with kind of dot com. Gen one. Yeah,
2: we did it. Wow.
0: Nick Scarpino did it with kind of funny.com. Gen one. Because again, Colin and I would just have a table. <laughs> we would sit here yeah. and talk to an iPhone. Uh, you can add and arrange your own content and features with the click of a mouse. You get free custom domains, beautiful templates and 24 seven customer support. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code kind of funny to save 10 percent on your first purchase. Topic four, as always, comes from you. The community over at kind of dot com slash games topic uh, a lot of them are for you Jeff okay they, I, I, right, I, I, said, I said I said you're coming on people got excited they went over there they posted it I'll just get, like I'll get loose weasel one eight eight nine hundred weasel one 1- all the other 800- weasels were taken that 900. was the nine hundred. says this is specifically for Jeff although this can work for the five of you what was it like writing for GameSpot and founding
1: giant bomb Actually, that can't work for us, Weasel. <laughs> well, yeah, go ahead. What was it? Yeah.
0: Greg Cassavin and I never got along. It was a big problem. Yeah, from... I mean, it's two
1: Gregs. That's all going to be. That's why I have a no Jeff's policy. <laughs> uh, you know, Jeff Green was out there. You know, yeah. was like, no, no, mm, no, no. Nope, no. Nope. Um, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was. How long were you at GameSpot? 11 years. Jesus. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was long enough to be fully in the bubble and have zero idea of what the outside world thinks of or the outside game industry or something like that. So when I was suddenly no longer at GameSpot, uh, there was a feeling there for a few days of where it's just like, I don't even know because I was working reviews. So as head of reviews, I only contacted PR in the context of do you have this game ready or not? Like, I'm not your friend. I'm not here to have conversations with you. I'm not going to talk to you about preview covers.
0: Please stop asking me about hockey. Do you have uh, the Please game? stop
1: asking me about hockey and send me your hockey game so I can give it to Alex uh, to review. Um, and uh, so I, had, I, there was this real feeling of just like, I don't even know if anyone's going to even know who I am at this point. Like I had been hosting a video show for quite some time at that point, but there was still this feeling of just like, I don't think the game industry watches this stuff. They're too busy making games. Yeah. Uh, and then it turned out that that was not the case. Um, And then, you know, whatever, like things went public with what happened to to me. uh, And, and then, uh, yeah, it it became very clear, very easily that I would be able to line something up. Sure. And and start something new. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I I talked to a few different people. um, Was there a concern, though? I mean, that first section where you're like, maybe I'm gonna leave the industry altogether uh there was like someone who suggested like well maybe you could be like a producer at capcom or something and i was sitting there going like well i mean i have a mortgage to pay like i fucked up and bought a house like uh, okay. i put down roots that's bad right uh so yeah so there there was this feeling of like well this might be it for the press because you know i was basically like the co-head of editorial editorial for GameSpot. the only other position that would have been kind of equivalent to that would have been like like tal's job at ign or something right. like that and towels at ign they don't need <laughs> yeah. someone idiot like me to come in they've already got plenty of people Oh, uh, we had plenty doing, of idiots don't yeah worry. no there's still there <laughs> um, so you know so was that feeling of like well okay i don't think there's anything out there at an eic level at any of these existing publications so uh maybe i'll just i don't know find like take the dark side and go behind the curtain and go work on video games in some nightmarish capacity uh and then so but but then then that penny arcade comic hit uh and kind of bluntly illustrated what had happened to me uh and some people took interest and it became pretty apparent at that point that i would be able to probably start something new um and so yeah like i said i talked to a few different people uh that some of people that were looking to start kind of new arms of their existing publications um and then the i ended up meeting with uh dave snyder who was uh, running comic vine at the time and that whole company was ex CNET people. So it was all people that I'd worked with before Dave sure. worked on MP3.com when he was with us at GameSpot and he'd worked on GameSpot and all this other stuff. And, you know, Sean Koontz is like a great team of, of amazing engineers and product people, just like smart people top to bottom that had, were running this comic book wiki site. And I was like, that's awesome. And you should take that t- technology and do it for video games and let's do it. Uh, so once I saw what they were working on, um, and And saw that like, hey, I already know these people, and we should totally start a new thing. Uh, it became pretty apparent that that was the direction for it, and there were like it was weird like there were I, I was on an IGN podcast actually that was one of the which was fun to do. let me tell you, coming from gamespot, sure. I don't know if you had the same experience. it wasn't quite oh, this, you, you didn't rock it out didn't, of IGN I with, didn't like, leave rage. during the dark times yeah I mean, I, okay yeah I, I talk yes. about it
0: back then, like me and Brad would go to events and like Brad and me would not speak. Just because like, we were like... I, they Brad were talk- was under a pretty dark yoke there for and the it was last one of couple things, years. There was a regime where it was like,
1: you don't talk to IGN. And stupid. then IGN stupid. guys were like, well, they don't talk to us, so don't fucking talk to them. Like, oh, yeah. weird. <laughs> Matt Casamassina and I had the same pair of Oakleys, so of course I wanted to fight him. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, but you know, yeah, like like people were trying to run it like that. And yeah. at the time, at the time GameSpot was... Pretty far ahead of IGN, if I remember right. We would got to a point where like we were we were doing all right, getting kind of bored yeah. <laughs> with the competition aspect of it because that's what it was to us, like from the sure, from day one. Like same thing know, with IGN, uh, and and it was dumb, of course. And, you know, it was very dumb <laughs> uh, to, and, and that's you know that's the thing I learned uh, really about you know getting fired and getting out of there was that thing of just like here's this thing I gave 100 percent of myself to for 11 years, and then they were like. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm never going to do that again, right? Unless it's my name on the door, unless it's so. so starting something new uh, felt really good, yeah. And starting it with these people who understood uh, what I was coming out of, why I was coming out of it, and and what we wanted to do uh, was very powerful. So we were we were able to really rapidly iterate on what Comic Vine had done with a wiki and and built that aspect of the site, and then you know figuring out the editorial component, the content component of it was. A little harder because it was just like me and Ryan, and you know we didn't even have a video guy, but we bought a we bought a Mac Pro and all this other stuff. Going like, well, we got it. Someone will be sitting here. We'll we'll convince Vinny eventually. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> not that we would have talked. To, that's no, well, you never, would never of course, no, please, the, please would that do that naturally happen. Um, Don't worry. I can only. Those are stories I can only tell because they came back around and bought us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah like that's the sort you of stuff. You could get that would away, like, These shadowy. Um, yeah, so yeah, it, it was great starting it up and, you know, we kind of lucked into a lot of stuff that then kind of became standard, yeah. uh, you know, at, at GameSpot, you know, the idea of putting up a video that was like longer than five minutes was crazy. Cause you were just like, you know, you would almost have to contact the publisher and be like, Hey, we, we want to put up some gameplay footage of your game. And we were like, okay, well, we're too small of a team to ask for all this permission. So we're going to just ask for forgiveness if someone flips out <laughs> and just go for it. And then it became clear that editing these videos was actually more time consuming than recording them. So Brad actually happened on the idea of just like, well, why don't we just go for like an hour or, you know, or actually it was more like 15 minutes at the time. Like the (gasps) quick look was actually quick eventually at one point. And then it just became us just putting up unedited hours of, of video game footage. And we kind of happened into that at the same time that like you know youtube had started to happen and you know the kind of the, the let's play community was kind of spinning up in its different ways to a and, thing, yeah. and becoming more of a thing so like, i think it, would, it wasn't we did not invent all that sort of stuff but we kind of came to the same conclusion that a lot of people outside of the traditional games media was, was coming to that's the important uh, thing is
0: yeah you didn't invent it but you were the first one to bring fire to our people you know what i mean of like this is what we're gonna do. i remember when they, you guys started and we were all like what are they, they're doing wikis, and right? Doing yeah, v- long videos. Like, what are you talking about? That's not how this works. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, yeah. It,
1: it's it was everything. You know, we we were doing deliberately. We were doing everything that we didn't get to do at Gamespot for one reason or another. You know, whether it was uh, you know, the the just it didn't make business sense or like we, we were making the this website we wanted to use. Sure. You know, which was the early days of Gamespot were founded very much on that. You know, it was people that that had you know they, they came from print background and they're like, man, forget this. We're going to strike out here and do this and started that site. And they wanted to make it the thing they wanted to use. And that, that's that's really all we did is go like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could just like see a list of every game that had a double jump in it? Like <laughs> badass, man. <laughs> um, so it just kind of started from that. And then we just kind of figured out the video stuff as we went and and just kind of got deeper and deeper into it. Because, you know, the last year of GameSpot for, for me anyway and for some of the other guys, the, some that came with us and some that didn't, uh, it was very much this feeling of like, well, we've got our day jobs covered. Like I can write reviews whenever, but actually let's make a cartoon. So we did like three episodes of a cartoon at that point. You know, we did, you know, we were just doing all kinds of weird stuff uh, with no one paying attention. Sure, uh, sure. And then there was some regime change there that led to the situation with me. Um, And, and yeah, so it, it felt really great to to get out there and, and start something new It was actually really great to, and I'm sure you guys went through something similar where you got to actually sit down and go like, if we had it all back, if we got to do it all over from scratch, like what would that actually look like? What would it actually be? Yeah. Uh, And that was the best part about it. Uh, And I actually, yeah, I mean, that's that's the sort of thing that you probably should probably do on a regular basis, even if you're staying at the same place. And obviously, you know, just like, okay, let's actually tear down what we're doing or, or make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons. Cause actually you actually take a look at everything right, and talk yeah. about what we're doing. We, you know, yeah,
0: we, we took that for granted for sure. It's, we, and we, it's,
1: it's hard to find the time for it. You know, we, we had a guy who was no longer with the the company that, you know, was, uh, was kind of managing some business stuff for us for, for a while. And uh, we had the New York office, Vinny and Alex and Austin out uh, for game of the year stuff. And uh, he said, you know, it's actually – it's it's kind of sad that we can't actually we, – we don't actually have the time to get everyone in a room and just talk about what we want to do next year yeah. because everyone is so busy all the time. And and that's the – like the planning aspect of it is the hard part. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we want to surprise our users. We don't want to – like we, we get a lot of people that would love for us to kind of just fall into – a more regimented schedule and there's a certain amount of like business sense that says like, you know, like you go through the YouTube training. They're like, come up with a schedule and stick to it. And we do that to whatever extent we can with the podcast. I mean, that's 400 plus episodes in, you know, at this point every Tuesday, you know when you're going to get it. Yeah. 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 Um, And you know, we've, we've got, you know, our show on our live show on Friday, we've got a few things that we try to schedule and make sure that we're hitting, but then I want the rest of it to flow a little bit more and be a little bit, scary or you know like like it would be surprising to people or at least leave room for us to do that from time to time because if we just end up you know we get a lot of requests to revisit a lot of content uh types that we've done in the past and like it's really flattering and it's awesome but i don't want to keep i don't want to fall into that trap of like we're going to do this forever until we're dead i want (laughs) to make sure we're changing things up and, and and making sure that we're just you know taking an audit of like how we're spending our time just be like okay Like, is this the right number of these to be doing per week? Should we do this instead? Which we do here? And uh, I think if you lose that, then, you know, you're just going to slide down the same path of like, well, because, like, you know, what that was, we launched in 2008, you know, so this thing's like seven, eight years in now. Right. uh, Which is crazy. Yeah, it's a better blink of an eye, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it totally. Like, it it feels like we just got the site off the ground. (laughs) And yet, Brad has been with Giant Bomb longer than he was with GameSpot. God. uh, Which is crazy to me because yeah. I, I still think of Giant Bomb as like this new thing that like oh man it's crazy we just sold the company isn't that weird <laughs> like we just, we're here now isn't that crazy we're in the basement and all this other stuff but
2: um, yeah I don't want to cut too much because I, I know we're running out of time so I don't want to cut too much into you know the readers questions but you know unfortunately this is my podcast so uh, I, I'm curious about one thing I always noticed about Giant Bomb is the voracious nature of your readership or your viewership or your listenership depending on the, the yeah, stuff yeah. they consume um Especially in places like NeoGAF. So very, very focused, hardcore, industry sided gamers. Um, where you get every bombcast gets its own thread that is read right. a yeah. shit ton yeah. of times and people are posting in it like I think a regular bombcast thread is literally bigger than PSI Love You's entire thread even though P.S. I Love You is, like, number five in the world or something, and Bombcast is number one, so not that big of a difference. seems like Bombcast kind of occupies its own space, and it seems like Giant Bomb occupies its own very revered and respected space. So, like, how do you feel about that? Because it feel, it's like, there's a lot of people writing a lot of shit about you guys all the time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Do you read it? Do you care? Like, are you in there? I
1: think you either have to read it all or read none of it. Or, or you can read all of it. You either have to take all of it to heart or none of it. You can't just cherry-pick, like, the parts you like, right? So uh i do read a lot of it and you know so i I see what people are saying i see the you know because we we get criticisms like anybody else you know like then there are people that you know don't spend a lot of time on our site that you know like like e3 was a good example like you know we didn't really care for a lot of sony's announcements at the press conference like a lot of third party stuff like i don't care about shenmue i never will you don't like sailors no (laughs) um no (laughs) i don't no Uh, and you know so it's uh, so there's you know we, we see these people you know I see people with me specifically saying like oh he's jaded he has been doing this too long it's like no I just I know how this goes at this point for better or for worse like the industry is a pretty known quantity it's weird in its own ways and you know China's coming in and doing all this stuff like there's a lot of stuff happening but you can count on a company like EA to be EA all day long and so like that stuff becomes a little bit easier to like predict over time or uh, or you know something like that you know and and it takes more than a trailer at this point i don't even watch most trailers these days um if it's like a, a, a announcement trailer or something like that i'll check that out or something but like you know you see people like freaking out about trailers for games i'm like yeah i mean you know you know it's not gonna look like that right like, no, it doesn't, <laughs> they don't they don't look like that anymore um so yeah I, you know I, I see a lot of different stuff like that um and yeah, I don't know. I, I I do spend probably a little bit more time than I should reading over some of that stuff. Um, and sometimes you do have to kind of take a step back just because like I'm just too busy sometimes to to even look in on, on some of that stuff. But it's interesting to see what the people who are using our site to post feedback say versus some people in these different pockets of different forum websites and Reddit and stuff like that. Sure. Um, just to kind of see because, you know, that's that's the thing is like, you know, there is a larger Internet out there and that's the. You know you can't just have well, we've got our dot com and that's that's the vertical, and that's where everything's going to be you know it's it's like whatever the internet is social and it's like I mean you guys are on youtube you guys are on patreon you guys yeah. have have like decentralized your platform in a way that like is incredibly smart to do these days uh because of the way the internet has changed the idea of like dragging someone to your web domain and getting to hopefully watch a pre-roll ad and see your site skins like that's crazy that just doesn't happen anymore so you know you kind of have to be everywhere and so i try to look at the feedback everywhere like i i've spent some time moderating youtube comments sometimes and i don't even know the company anymore
0: (laughs) interesting and this is all wrapped up in it i think uh next question is from tom the killer snap the killer snap. Okay. Who says, this question is aimed equally at Jeff and the kind of funny boys, and he's actually right this time. Uh, I recently became a giant bomb premium member after listening to you, uh, listening on and off to the bombcast for a good long time. Since then, I've seen and watched a bunch of awesome content and really enjoying it. This got me thinking about the way kind of funny pays the bills with Patreon. So my question is this. Did giant bomb's premium model inspire you as you launched kind of funny? Going along with that, do you see games media shifting to talented, focused hubs like kind of funny, giant bomb, rooster teeth, and so on? Love KF and GB. Dying for Mario, Mario Party 7. Uh, <laughs> You're dying to stay away from it. You I had me up until the end. Uh, for uh-huh. sure, for sure. When we launched out with ours, you know what I mean? Like the story is old at this point, but like in the, we had a meeting in the summer right, before we left mm-hmm. and it was all right, cool. In the, the week before we had all go, everybody go home and figure out how much money you need to make to leave IGN. Like, what do we need? Right. We came back with those numbers and sat down and we're like, well, nope. That ain't going to happen. Like, we, maybe we'll look at this another year and a half, you know, two years from now. Right, yeah. And then, like, that next week we found out and met the Patreon guys. And it was totally, like... We sat down and Tim was telling me about it and, da, 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 and I was like, oh, like giant bomb. He's like, no, like rooster teeth. And I was like, well, no, they're the same. It's the same thing. It's just that you guys did it all internally, whereas us being four and now five chuckleheads had no, would have had no idea how to get that up and running. I mean, yeah, like
1: I, you know, I hooked up with an engineering team, Yeah, you know, like that's the, and, and Patreon, I don't think existed when we were, oh, when we were getting no, 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 off the yeah. ground. So, you know, yeah, like that, those avenues weren't necessarily there. Yeah um but yeah i mean i i think i told you this is like you know when i looked at what you guys were were building and how you were talking about building i was like yeah this is probably how i would do it if i was doing it right
0: now right yeah yeah.
1: um it would be to to kind of go down uh to go down that road Uh, as opposed to like you know because we we built all our own stuff you know we pay our own video bandwidth costs which get expensive (laughs) when you have popular long videos um but then we're also on youtube we're also on all these other platforms too so um, for us, it's, you know, like, yeah, we're running a subscription business and that's the sort of thing that doesn't happen a lot in traditional games media. hundred
0: percent. Um, yeah I remember when IGN did it with Insider and it was like such a oh, right, battle yeah, I mean, yeah. and it was so different I mean it's yeah. not the exact same but it was like right. all of a sudden asking people for money and then being like you're IGN you don't need money and getting into that weird territory yeah like
1: GameSpot had GameSpot complete which got renamed a couple of times too which was its subscription service yeah. and it was like you get access to premium Quake servers or whatever <laughs> it was something insane um, <laughs> and yeah you know and, and it did okay for a time you had people that just didn't want to see ads and ad blockers were not sophisticated enough back then to to do that uh, so yeah, uh, but this is—it's a different situation where it's like you know, and and I think you know we're doing something different. I think even from, like Rooster Teeth, and, and I think you guys are, are probably hitting on kind of the right mix of like when we put our stuff behind like the wall, it's there. That's it. Yeah. Uh, it's not a windowing, not windowing thing. Yeah, it's yeah. not, you know, there's like rooster teeth. It's a lot of early access to stuff and, and you guys will put up, you know, stuff on YouTube kind of after the fact. And, and that's something that we're going to be experimenting a little bit with, with some content. We're getting ready to start shooting the podcast. Oh, nice as video. And that'll be, if people want to watch it live, Uh, They'll be able to if they're a premium member, they'll be able to watch it live very cool when it goes up as video and audio and and everything else. That'll be everywhere for free. Nice. Um, So that's you know, that seems like that's maybe the more becoming the more traditional model for this stuff. But at the same time, like we I, I think we we've done well with people seem to like the way we're doing things now. Yeah. With just like, hey, if you if you pay us, you get access to this. And there are no ads and, you know, you get a store coupon right now for merchandise and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that's been, been working out well for us. But I, you know, I, like I said, I always want to keep trying stuff out and, and adjusting what we do. That's uh, awesome.
0: I mean, you guys are trailblazers. You know what I mean? Like it is one of those things when we left people like what a fresh inventive thing you're doing. I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, yeah,
1: it, yeah, it's, and it's interesting to kind of see how much of that has changed Sure. Uh, and, and how willing people are to part with their money, which is like incredibly Flattering, yeah. You know, there's just a huge responsibility that comes with that mm-hmm. of like, you know, these people have, you know, and we've, we've done the thing where, you know, when we have membership sales, people can extend their memberships. And so we have a few people that have memberships through like 2025 or that's something. Awesome. And it's like, that's amazing, flattering that someone would be willing to part with, you know, that chunk of their money. But then you think, start to think about it, like 2025 is a long time from now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see how this goes. Uh, yeah. Is there a no uh, refund policy? <laughs> like, well, the company's uh, not there. you have to talk to CBS about <laughs> that one. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, you know, like we're always wanting to kind of try to, to change things up with what we do and it, it, that, sometimes that's hard because, you know, it's the internet and people fear change. Of course, yeah. Um, they get
0: really upset about it. Yeah,
1: but it's kind of the, it's the only, it, you know, we have to keep it exciting we have to keep it crazy, and 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 the expectations of what people want out of a subscription service, I think, always kind of change a little bit. So that'll be kind of our first foray into kind of a, a windowing kind of thing. Um, and you'll we'll like it. I see think. How it goes. Yeah, we I, enjoy the
0: windowing of the content. Yeah. They seem to enjoy it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so that that'll be that'll be fun to experiment around with.
0: I want to. I want to. Let's end with two games questions. How about that? All right. Jonas underscore Roy says, Jeff, please explain to these fools. Why the witness is a must play. Much love to all you fools.
1: The witness is really fantastic. Uh, did you guys like tr- like try it and hate it? I or tried it. And I just it, know it's not my kind of exactly. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not
0: that puzzle guy. And so I I played like an hour yeah. of it, and I was like, to- beautiful. Get what it's going. I was feeling the reward of when I did figure one right. Out, yeah. But it was just like I don't know about coming back to this daily.
1: Uh, I like Sudoku. Yeah, it's not you know like it's it's, got some numbers it's not quite that. But you know, but I occasionally like a puzzle here and there, but nothing too deep. Um, but there was something about being able to like, it was a game much like portal one where when you solved problems, you felt like the smartest person in the world. Sure. And there were definitely cases where it, it was also the type of type of game where when I got stuck, I could go to sleep, wake up refreshed and solve the thing I was stuck on. Okay. Um, so I think like it, it kind of depends on if you get stuck for a really long time, you're much more likely to go like, all right, look, I just don't have time for this. Like this, this is making me crazy. Like I just, I just can't do this. Um, but uh, I was able to make fairly steady progress, and and really got sucked into it. Uh, and you know, a couple other people were playing it, so we kind of like, where are you? Where are you? Okay, did you find out this thing? And they'd be like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, well, don't spoil anything. You know, it was it was exciting to have a, a puzzle game that could inspire that level of conversation. Um, so yeah, it, it's and it's beautiful, and it's it's really uh, just a, a nice quiet that's long puzzle game that was very relaxing, but also very mentally taxing at times too.
0: Did Uh, you get crazy and have the graph paper and all that jazz? Yeah. I
1: was actually taking pictures with my phone and then taking those pictures and flipping them and tracing lines on the phone and the reflections of this and, you know, to find all the stuff. And uh, I didn't do the final challenge. There's a, there's a final thing for the final trophy that uh, uh, I wasn't able to do immediately and then had to go review something else and all of that information went yep. away. So I can't ever go back to that game and, and probably finish that off without replaying the entire game. I was having such
0: it. a great time with Catherine back in the day, and then took a week off and came back, and I was like, I don't remember how to do any of this anymore. Yeah. How do I move any of these
1: blocks? No, that's, I, man, that was not a fun review. Like, playing through, I, I did not enjoy Catherine that much. I wish I did. I wish I did. There were things about that game that were cool, but I, mm.
0: Mm, mm. Mm. Speaking of games you don't enjoy, and this is the final one. Comes from Sam NW, who says, Jeff, you're one of the few people in games and media who really disliked Red Dead Redemption. I think it's great personally, but there's certainly room for improvement. So, what could Rockstar do differently with the sequel to win
1: you over? What if they had like cars? What do you <laughs> uh, Um yeah you know I just uh, I the the early parts of that game I thought didn't control especially well like just you know the tutorial aspects of it like you know just dealing with the horse all that sort of stuff yeah I'm not a big Wild West guy to begin with yeah so like the setting held no initial appeal um, and it just didn't grab me right off the bat. And I kind of, you know, as people started freaking out about it, I'm like, well, I guess I better go back and try like, and you got to force it. You're trying to force yeah, yourself to. I, I definitely yeah. was like forcing myself to come back to it. And I was like, okay, I don't really like the open world aspects of this. Like what, well, like finding horses and plants or whatever, sure. you know, like you know, <laughs> the, the different stuff around the edges of the game didn't grab me either. So at some point I was like, you know, I, I don't, I don't need to play this game because other people on staff are playing it. And I don't want to. So I just, I moved away from it and felt pretty good about it.
0: That's always the best when you, you, you finally come to the realization of like, yeah, I can go. Yeah. I don't need this. Colin's going to play it. Somebody, Tim's playing it. I don't need to know about that it. That is uh, probably where I'm
1: at now with Uncharted. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Did you say so did you, you didn't beat it? No. Okay. I'm like chapter eight. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm like Scotland. Oh, and like walked my around. I was like, yeah. I made another one of these. Yeah, I, you didn't, you've never been super high on this series. The technical right? aspects of those games are incredible, second to none in yeah. a lot of ways. You know, the things they can do with a set piece and, and all that sort of stuff is uh is really, really fantastic. But I just I never thought the gunplay was particularly good. I think a lot of the climbing is so stakes free that it's just like busy work. The same mm-hmm. way that like Lara mm-hmm. Croft shimmying sideways through stuff in that first Tomb Raider reboot was like, I'm just holding up. Like, this is barely even a game at this point. You know, Nathan Drake, like, climbing up and kind of reaching out. It's like, okay, there's really only one path through here. This is not, like, engaging on its own. It's just beautiful. And at some point, that wasn't enough for me to to keep going on it. Uh, and it's been like that for the, for the whole franchise, more or less. Um, so we actually got someone right into the Giant Bombcast this week who had a pretty scary comparison of Uncharted Four's story to a lot of elements in National Treasure Two. Oh no. And you're just like, oh yes, this great video game story. And it's like this realization <laughs> of like, oh man, all video game stories are bad still, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> even, even, the, even the really even, the best even one. the really great ones, you're still like, oh, this is like a sub like c-grade uh nichols cage movie great great well part of that though is the director and the actor so you know what don't just
0: throw the baby I, out the bathwater I, I love Nicolas cage me too he's a great guy yeah i really like it. face off come on man. big superman fan yeah oh my god you named his son kal which is a weird move that's really, i wouldn't recommend no no i i know Your a dog, guy sure.
1: i know a guy i've not talked to him in years but he named his son anakin I just, I, I'd really like to know how that's going for him. But, but I, it's, it's been a long time. That kid's probably like 15. That kid's probably watching. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he's watching right and break yeah. down in tears. Yeah. Like, oh, you dad, don't know my
0: pain. Uh, the sand. Yeah. This segment was brought to you by Total War Warhammer it's a marriage made in gaming heaven because Warhammer of course is rich high fantasy world of perpetual war and massive battles Total War of course is critically acclaimed epic scale conquest battle strategy games Total War plus Warhammer yes Colin why are there so many spaces in between all the words Colin anytime you want to fucking carry your weight around here kind of funny you can go argue you can go fucking get into these PDFs they send you (laughs) with a copy to do and you paste it in and it just doesn't do anything correctly and I'm like you know what I can I can fix this on the fly you'll think there's regular spaces here but in fact with this Total War, totally fucking fucked up spacing. Total Spaces. I'm sorry. sorry. I mean, for me, the real problem, not
1: to like get in on your ad read. Please do. uh, That they didn't call it Total Warhammer. Right? It's Total War Warhammer. I get that like each each brand probably feels like they're the star and they don't want to combine, but come on.
0: Come on. No one's done Warhammer or indeed fantasy like this before. From the personal skills of your characters to 20,000 roaring orcs, no fantasy strategy game is... This big and detailed. As a fantasy spectacle, it is unmatched. If you're a PC gamer and not involved, you're missing out. Also, if you're a PC gamer, huge fucking nerd. Factions that all feel <laughs> Jeff, like, yeah? Factions that all feel like. I can't and play, play the Total War games. Very differently. Each, well, I just meant PC gamers in general. Oh, with sure, your yeah. mouse and your clicks and your stuff. Get out of here. Each race is wholly different with their own unique characters, campaign mechanics, battlefield units, and play style. Total War Warhammer is out now on PC and Steam.
1: PC and Steam. yeah,
0: because you can get it, I guess without. They oh, said, sure. know, they made a point okay. of that, so I'm right. guessing like yeah. Windows gaming. How do you do? You email someone on the team to get it? I don't know how PC gaming works. Play work. by mail like that old Play XCOM by mail. Thing. There you yeah. go. A yeah, direct drive still yeah. kicking out these ROMs right. for you yes, or whatever. Definitely. I see people waiting in line for that that PC gaming site to get their code for Overwatch. Because you go there and you oh, get right. on yeah. cheap codes. Well, that's I don't know what you people like, do that
1: stuff. I don't know. At some point, there's weird like third party gray market resellers that are just, I don't know. They're just buying keys out of Russia and reselling <laughs> them. Or, actually, you know, we actually get some people uh, that are writing to publishers claiming to beat us uh, to try to get keys from people so that they can then go sell them on nice. sites like that. Because uh, as soon as the publisher responds, they go like, "Oh, we're also having an anniversary giveaway. We need a thousand keys. We'll give them to our users. It'll be great promotion." I don't think anyone, I hope anyone, no one's been suckered by that. It's probably just Vinny. We don't have a Gmail account. Yeah. As it turns out.
0: My favorite was one at the old IGNs when ki- we'd get texts from uh, E3 people and they'd be like, it'd be a, a photocopy of somebody's like paper IGN oh, card yeah, they yeah. put on like loose leaf. Like, Is this guy with you? Like, no. Absolutely. No. <laughs> totally. Let him in. Yeah. <laughs> Give him the demo. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Kind of Funny Games cast, episode 72. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, you can get it early each and every week over on patreon.com kind of funny games. And if you have no bucks to toss over there, you can go get it on youtube.com slash kind of funny games so subscribe there jeff thank you so much for coming by and Tom, you're gonna Anytime do an exclusive me. with me now so you're not leaving the house okay. so i refuse right. to let you go yeah. you can get that on patreon of course
1: uh but everybody should go get you at giant bomb.com yeah giant bomb.com i'm on twitter at jeff Gerstmann. go to jeff.zone it's my tumblr oh okay you do you tumble a
0: lot you also do this radio thing you gotta explain to me someday but i see you doing the radio I broadcast so. out
1: of my car interesting it's like a call-in show sometimes okay Feels good. <laughs> All right. Cutting edge technology. You got to be there, man. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.